Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elliot. Welcome to a new series we're doing called The Rad Rap, a series on series. So to break down what we're going to be doing in today's episode, we're going to watch, we've watched a series of films with a common thread linking them together. We're going to unpack our thoughts and feelings about each of the films, name the dads of the series, and then share what we're going to take away from the series, all culminating in us declaring the series radically wrapped. And as always, dad is an energy, not, not a, a gender. gender. So what series are we doing? We're doing the Saw series. Do, 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 I think we've officially lost our minds. Oh, yeah. We, we- started watching <laughs> these movies on, give me a moment. We started rewatching the Saw movies on September 20th. We finished watching the Saw movies on September 29th. We watched 10 Saw movies in nine days. There was a couple days where we doubled up so that we could. This was all in preparation for Saw 10 coming out, which we were very excited for. And yeah, basically watching that many Saw movies, the Saw theme has been playing in my head constantly. I write you notes every day when I make your lunch. A lot of them, if not most of them, have been Saw themed. Eat your lunch. (laughs) Or not. It's your choice. (laughs) Yeah. Live or die. (laughs) Make your choice. And it's also warped how we watch other movies. We went, we were at the Edmonton International Film Festival this week and we watched two Saw movies or eight. No, we watched one Saw movie before going to see the new Elliot Page movie. And going into it, I'm just like, is this movie good or is my bar for film been set by Saw movies now. (laughs) (laughs) So we have 10 movies to cover and we'll have more to say about some over others. But uh, just full disclosure, this is a spoiler episode. It's tough to talk about the full series without talking about some of the more specific things that happens in each of the movies. So we're just putting it all out there that we're going to be talking about spoiler things. Even the synopses for for the films spoil the films that came before them. So in terms of 
a rad rap for Saw. It's going to be a spoiler episode and not all rad raps will be. Yeah. So we will let you know right off the top. Also, check out the graphic. The graphic will tell you on our Instagram at baddad.raddad if there's spoilers or not. Okay. Let's get into it. I'll kick things off with the piece de resistance. Saw. It came out in 2004. It's a horror mystery thriller, as are all of these. It was directed by James Wan, written by him, as well as Lee Whannell. And it stars Carrie, I promise, Elwes, and Lee, I wish I would have checked in there first, Whannell. As well as Danny Glover as Detective David Tapp, Ken Long as Detective Stephen Singh. And uh, we'll say Michael Emerson as Zip, Shawnee Smith as Amanda, and... The goat, Tobin Bell, as Jigsaw. Synopsis for Saw. Two strangers awaken in a room with no recollection of how they got there and soon discover their pawns in a deadly game perpetrated by a notorious serial killer. What do you think of Saw? So we've covered Saw on the show before, and we'll post a link to that episode where we talked about it because we do have a non-spoiler episode where we go like into depth about like our... History, history, and relationship with the Saw movies, but I think something that's interesting in thinking about Saw, all of them, all ten of them together, is the impact that they've had on horror cinema, and also on just conversations about about cinema. Like it's been really interesting to watch these ten movies, and because we've done it in nine days, we've mentioned it to people that we've seen. And the various reactions we get, like, oh, my God, there's 10 of those or like, oh, you like those movies and yeah. just things like that. And I even back when this first Saw movie came out, getting that reaction of like, you're sick for liking the Saw movies. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a little bit of research into, you know, this term that kind of came up in this film, which Lee Whannell, he says that this is not a torture porn film, but it got branded with torture porn. And he said we didn't set out to make that movie and this is kind of one of those movies that they say is the start of that kind of horror but as i was looking at like the wikipedia entry for torture porn it's it connects it to the idea of splatter film um and Mm. splatter film being like the original kind of lineage from which a saw or a hostel or a martyrs or a Mm. you know anything from like the new french extremity is is starting from um, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be a splatter film. And in thinking about what it is about these movies that we like, I really liked how this article, specifically through um, some writing done by Michael Arnzen, has to say about splatter films. So these are a couple quotes. Splatter films, quote, self-consciously revel in the special effects of gore and art film. Mm-hmm. And also, quote, the spectacle of violence replaces any pretensions to narrative structure because gore is the only part of the film that is reliably consistent. Mm. So it's actually the gore that is comforting and that is guaranteed. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. I just. I don't think you're sick or weird if you like these <laughs> movies. Yeah. Or I just am sick and weird. Yeah. I myself am sick and weird. <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, I there's something to be said about this first Saw film just blazing a trail. Because from 2004 until 2010, there was a new Saw movie every year. It was a great time to be yeah, alive. Yeah, we were going to them. Yeah. I, 
I always got excited when a new Saw film was coming out around Halloween. And that's such a cool thing. Like I know, like you just said, a lot of people shit on the Saw series and these types of films in general. But it's very cool to have been growing up and been around for the time of Saw coming out into the theater. I think more than any other horror series, like this is of our time because we were 14 when the first one came out. We were 18 when Saw 7 came out. You know, like it really was our teenage years that these movies were coming out in. And this is the only horror series that I saw the original when it came out and then subsequently saw all the new ones in the theater. Mm -hmm. I've seen all of Scream, but it didn't happen until later. Like Mm -hmm. until I like did a marathon of them with you. So, you know, this this movie is just such a all time favorite for me and such a integral part of like my horror loving and just generally film loving personality. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is it just feels first of its kind, like Mm -hmm. not just first of its kind in the Saw series, which it obviously is, but first of its kind in like a new type of horror. Yeah. And certainly got taken in directions that were more intense, um, in directions that made it more arty, you know, but it's, it really is the first of its kind and it feels innovative. And I love movies where you can tell how much like heart went into it Mm -hmm. and how much like personal commitment to the film went into it from the people who were making it. Yeah. And we, as a part of this too, we rewatched the original Saw short film that James Wan and Lee Winnell put together and it focuses around the the trap Amanda is in, the reverse bear trap in this movie. But Lee Winnell plays that role and it unfolds in a similar way. It does reek of like, you know, really homemade, self-produced um, horror film. But the idea is there. And you can so yeah. see how somebody saw that and was like, oh, this could make a really great full-length film with a decent budget and I mean, I don't imagine they were like, you know what? This will probably be 10 films, but <laughs> this is a really good, if it only existed as one film, it deserves to be made. So they they made the short film for that reason. They were having difficulty getting funding. So they thought, let's make oh, like a sample kind yeah, of thing. And then like we a can demo. Sh- yeah, we can show people that and hopefully that'll work. And it did. And, you know, in reading more about this first movie, I'm just like so proud of it because when they did that short film, they started to have a fair amount of interest from like some bigger and some smaller studios. And the one or two rather things that they refused to compromise on was James Wan directing Mm -hmm. and Lee Winnell starring. And there was bigger studios with bigger budgets that would have just bought the film from them, but then they wouldn't have been allowed to be involved in it. And they refused to do that. And so that's where this like twisted pictures, I actually think it was created at this time as oh, like a like- subset of Lionsgate. Oh, I could be wrong on that. Um, but I thought I remember reading that and then, and they had a much smaller budget than they might've otherwise. They had a $1 million budget. Um, they specifically decided to do this, like two people in one room because they knew they wouldn't have a big budget. So they're like, how can we, you know, take that indiness of Blair, Witch, that DIY of Blair, Witch, and make it like two people in one set to, make the most out of the little money that we have. Um, 
And they had that for a long time. But I think really what makes Saw Saw, and there's one film in the series which clearly tells us that, is Jigsaw. Like there is no beauty to Saw without Jigsaw. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's true of any horror franchise that has withstood time. Like in Scream, it's Ghostface. Like there is no Scream without Ghostface. Yeah. And it can be a different person under that Ghostface mask, but it has to be Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Um, and how this came about, like they had all this idea for like two guys in one room and traps and this and that, is that Lee Winnell had these migraines and he was convinced he had a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And through that, he created this character of Jigsaw, this like, so what, like, what would I do if I had a brain tumor? How would I feel? And what would I want to do with the rest of my life? And so they kind of put those two things together and created this mythos of Jigsaw, which I really think has carried the movies. Oh, 100%. And having somebody like Tobin Bell, who, you know, like Robert England, I'm sure like other people, but Robert England is who came to mind, just love playing that character yeah, and like believe in that character and keep coming back that that has made these movies rise above some of their silliness. Oh, a hundred percent. And like not to jump the gun, but the fact that he was kind of given his swan song in the most recent saw, like shows that he can carry a movie. If oh, yeah. you let him, I mean, and there's not a ton of him in this. No, but the ending of this movie and reminder again, this is a, spoiler episode the ending of this movie is the best ending of any movie i've ever seen in my life yeah and i'm just gonna say that it's yeah it's one of the best endings no 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 no, no. i am 100 percent with you better than after song? i'm standing by you it's one of the best endings it's the best ending of any horror a, film no it's one of the best endings in cinema it's but so the good best just one of the best one of the best one of the best, of the best. i agree one of the best and i guess lee winnell came up with this idea like pretty early on where he was like what if the guy's in the room the whole time but we don't know it until the end. And I guess they, ha- <laughs> Lee and Al and James Wan had like a phone conversation about this. Then James Wan didn't sound that enthused. Right. And Lee and Al was like, oh, bummer. <laughs> but then they, but then they went with it. And, you know, I think the movie already has this like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm seeing this stuff when it's really doing what Texas Chainsaw Massacre does, which is th- make you think you're seeing this stuff. But the sets are kind of gross and the context makes you squirm a bit. Right. And then, you have these cutaways to the moments that would be quite gory. But what makes the movie is the ending. Yeah. Is when like all of a sudden that fucking music. Mm-hmm. And you just hear, hello, Zep. Yeah. Which is what, which is what the theme is called, which is hilarious yeah. to me. Um, that it's still called Hello, Zep. And as Adam, bless his little heart, is starting to realize that he didn't just kill the person who's doing this. That it isn't over. The dead body that's been in the middle of the room the whole time starts to rise while Adam is foregrounded in the shot. So it might even take a while for like the person who's watching to really notice. Yeah. Like this is the type of ending where like you're watching it with a group and one person notices it before anybody else and starts nudging them and goes, oh my God, oh my God. And then we get all these flashbacks and realize that like, oh, that guy in the hospital. Right. And we we have been being told the whole movie that Jigsaw is focused on people's ingratitude for life. Mm -hmm. And it all clicks in that moment where you're like, oh, he's a cancer patient. And it's just it's just iconic that like 
The killer's been there the whole time. He lets him know that he could have survived in the first moments, right? And then that game over with Adam screams as like the credits start to roll. It like gives me chills still. Oh yeah. Just you talking about it gives me chills. Like the performance from Lee Winnell in those final moments of just pure terror and portraying that. And then the fact that the movie cuts to black and you still hear Adam screaming going into the credits. It's just hopelessness. You're just like, Oh my God. There isn't, this isn't a happy ending. And there's so many iconic things happening in like a two minute time span. Like even when we're not brain melted mush from watching 10 Saw movies in nine days, we do frequently quote this movie. We do say game over a lot. We do say like this or this, make your choice. Um, I promise. We do say, I promise a lot. And, you know, we talk about in the first time that we talked about Saw on the show, we talked a lot about the, you know, the acting can be a little wooden and, and a little funny at times, but that's also part of the charm of it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I love this movie so much. And and I really do think that the ending is so brilliant that it makes me sad that so many people will never see it either because they're too scared or because they think it's trash. Yeah. Like that's just garbage. Why would I waste my time on that? Mm-hmm. Because you are missing one of the best endings in cinema. Yeah. hundred percent. I want to talk about a little bit just of how this slots into the slaw, the slaw, the saw it slots into the slaw, the saw saga. Um, so there's, there's pieces of this movie that start cropping up in the subsequent films. And there's some questions that it raised for us and that we've been kind of talking about after each time. One of them, the biggest question mark, no pun intended, is the dude that's on the floor in Amanda's trap that she needs to cut open his stomach to get the key to release herself. And it has been set up and made very clear, even in this first film, that Jigsaw is about, quote unquote, fairness in that you get a chance to save your own life. Yeah, it is a game. There are rules. If you play by the rules, you can win the game. Yeah. And that if you win the game, he genuinely lets you win. Yeah. And that even if your fate is in somebody else's hands, you still have a chance to survive. And yeah, the biggest question mark is this dude that's on the floor because he's knocked out. It's it's a great reveal that he's still alive. He's not because Jigsaw says he's a dead cellmate, but it turns out he's alive. And then Amanda kills him and he was paralyzed the whole time. He couldn't move or speak or anything. But it it just seems like he kind of breaks the mold a little bit of what Jigsaw's rules are subsequently in all of the other traps in the series that he orchestrates. Because he doesn't really... I don't think that's true. And we'll get into it in later movies. There are movies where someone who someone will die and they have no ability to save their own life. Yeah. So one of the things when we were talking about this, I mean, two things. One, part of me thinks that it's just coming from the short film that they made, because in the short film, that is a part of it that he says dead cellmate. And then he starts to wake up. And in the short film, the character that Lee Winnell plays, I believe his name is David, who's like the um, who is Amanda in 
the feature film, he notices that he's alive and continues with it anyway. Whereas in my reading of the first saw, and I've seen it probably over a dozen times, Amanda doesn't necessarily see that he's alive. I disagree. You think she sees? Yeah, because she looks like he starts to open his eyes and she looks and she like her eyes widen and she. Oh, I guess. eh? Looks like she's in horror. I feel like it's not as obvious that she's like, I'm going to kill this guy. Because in the short film, he starts like talk like about like he's like about to talk. Mm. And in this one, he just kind of is like blinking his eyes open. Um, I guess maybe she falters less. She's just like, I don't care that you're alive. I'm going for this. But I was, you know, I Googled that. I was like, so what's the deal with Jigsaw's moral compass? And something that somebody said is Jigsaw's rules only apply to the people playing the game. He's testing the people playing the game and nobody else. This does start to become contradictory because more than once in later films, he says we don't kill. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the tricky part because I I disagree with you that this is the only time that's an issue. There's certainly times where it's an issue and it wasn't Jigsaw behind it. But I would say the entirety of film six has people being killed who have no choice about whether they're killed or not. I guess what what makes this guy, because, yeah, I I hear what you're saying. And I think that the the one thing just about this particular guy is we have no context for him. Yes. Like other people might not have might have as much of an opportunity to save their life as this guy does. But we get a quick backstory like they're racist or they are shitty people in in this organization or whatever. In a later film, he is in it in the background and we can see this is the like Amanda is the shittiest reason that Jigsaw has ever picked to have somebody in. And, And it's kind of well established in the later films that he has a disdain for drug addicts. But everybody else who's in the traps are like rapists, murderers, con artists hit and run people like criminals yeah like they're people who are doing really nasty things that harm others and amanda's like it's you're a drug addict you're not grateful for your life (laughs) um and there is a scene where we in a later film where we see this guy this actor in a like methadone clinic implying that he is also a drug addict Mm -hmm. i don't want to spend too much time on it other than like there are some There's a part of me and I think a part of you, but tell me if I'm wrong, that really wants to like champion Jigsaw as having a moral code. Yeah. And yet the films can be contradictory within that. Mm -hmm. And I think some of these later films are trying to like finesse it. I don't know that the first film was that invested in him him having this like deep moral code. Yeah. And then later films were interested in expanding on that but now they have these past films that have these things in them so yeah they do a pretty good job overall i think so too and i wouldn't count out them addressing that at some point yeah it's just like been it's kind of the biggest question mark um there's also like questions that are brought up later about you know and i think really well of just when amanda is setting up the trap like amanda it is shown in a subsequent film that Amanda set up the Adam and Dr. Gordon trap. And like, it's also interesting to me that Jigsaw, they make a point in this film that Jigsaw likes to see his traps or be a part of his traps. But this is the only film that really has, he gets really sick. Yeah. Yeah. So like 
it makes me start thinking of like, oh man, like was he this involved in other traps or was he just like watching through peepholes? Because this is like pretty involved. He's like actually in the room the whole time. The but there's something like, really personal in this one because Dr. Gordon is his doctor. Yeah, like he wanted to reveal to himself. Also, I got to say, Jigsaw is a master of time management. Yeah. Like Jigsaw he, does not have ADHD. Like he knew the exact dose to knock himself out to wake up at the end of the time that he gave Dr. Gordon and Adam to finish this. That's stuff. also one of the biggest like suspensions of disbelief is <laughs> yeah. It, often Jigsaw uses a slow acting course poison coursing through your veins <laughs> and it will kill you in exactly two hours. <laughs> it's like, man, how do you how do you get that exactly right? Yeah. Man, an architect that knows that shit as well. What a guy. Chef's kiss. Um, yeah. And like the other, the other question and I'll, I'll end on this is just about Zepp killing Gordon's family. What do they do? Uh, that would just be punishing Dr. Gordon. And yes. And so that's when this, it was like a forum that I was on said that part of Jigsaw's ethos is he's only testing the people he's testing and anybody else can be collateral damage. Mm. And I guess in his mind, he's not actually killing those people, but they're like part of a test for somebody else. Right. And, yeah. and I guess if Jigsaw, there's a big point made in later films that he like anticipates human psychology and human patterns and human behaviors. Yeah. And I guess if Adam and Gordon were to pass their traps, then the kids won't die. Then like Gordon's wife and kid won't die. Right. So part of that's on Gordon too to pass his traps so that Zepp can pass his so that his wife and kid live but i mean even if we want to take it to its most basic level gordon wins if he kills adam yeah he could have won like two minutes in so killing adam is a part of winning the game so i mean from the beginning jigsaw has kill somebody else to save your own life which does seem contradictory within his like we don't kill and, you know, I don't want it. I want us to be mindful of not talking about future films until we're in them. Mm -hmm. But considering that he's willing to have a child die in this one and it's a big point in another film mm -hmm. that he like would not let a child die. Yeah. It's a little interesting. Agreed. All Most noticeable when you're watching them all in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that said, I love this movie. It's iconic. The characters are iconic. The location is iconic. The things it establishes that lead into not the not even just the subsequent Saw films, but just the genre in general of films coming out around this time. Trailblazer. And there's just things in here like the reverse bear trap. The, you know, he doesn't want us to saw through our chains. He wants us to saw through our feet. Billy the puppet. He doesn't kill his victims. He lets his victims kill themselves. Or the jigsaw voice, like all of that is so important and it's here in the first one. It's not like it develops later on. It's it's in the DNA of this first film. We didn't even talk about the damn cops, but this is the most I ever care about the cops because Danny Glover's pretty good. Yeah. Um. But enough said about the cops. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. All right. How did Saw make you feel? The first Saw always makes me feel... And always love for this personal horror staple. Yeah. You? Uh, it just made me feel a joy that I love to revisit. I think that we've watched this movie two or three times in the last year. Yeah, it's a good one. It's so good. Okay, so Saw 2. Very next year, 2005. 
directed by Darren Lynn Boozman and written by him and Lee Winnell. So Lee Winnell is back for this one. Um, Lee Winnell and James Wan, I believe, have executive produced every film yeah. after the first one. So they are involved in some capacity. This film stars Donnie Wahlberg as Eric Matthews, Tobin Bell as Jigsaw, Shawnee Smith as Amanda, Eric Knudsen as Daniel Matthews, and Dina Meyer as Carrie. The films often have these big ensemble casts, and we're not going to name everyone in them. We're just going to kind of name the key players. Mm -hmm. So for Saw 2, the synopsis, a detective and his team must rescue eight people trapped in a factory by the twisted serial killer known as Jigsaw. What do you think of Saw 2? For so long, I regarded this as the second best in the series, and... That has changed since watching all of these. Um, this started the trend based off of the first one. And I really appreciate the commitment to severed limbs on the posters. Like, yeah. I really like the severed leg on the cover of the first one. And then in this one, I like the two severed fingers to make the two. Uh, and yeah, subsequent films had some version of that. And I just really liked it. They're great consistent poster design minimalist yeah. lovely yeah it's really good and yeah i i liked seeing jigsaw become a more prominent on-screen piece of the puzzle uh i i quite like that and like tobin bell is actually getting to act and have dialogue and scenes with people that's not just through a tape recording in this one um and i i it's fun to watch him play off of the very hot-headed Donnie Wahlberg in this. And, you know, each Saw movie kind of has a big game, you, we'll call it. A main trap, um, I call it. Yeah, like a main trap that uh, is, that we're, is we're, when we're not talking about the cops and stuff that we're focused on. And this one is pretty decent of all the people in like the, this house of horrors. I do remember it being better. I like this time it it felt like there wasn't as much of it as I remember. I think the thing about this one is some of the traps that happen within the main trap are so iconic. Yeah. Um and unlike the first film we're seeing more like we're not cutting away. So you know the needle pit it's such an interesting one because nothing's being cut off. There's no blood, but just needles are such a. Everyone hates needles. Yeah, they're a big phobia for a lot of people. And at the time, I mean, I still don't like them. But at the time, I was like, if I could avoid a vaccination, not because I don't believe in vaccinations, I very much do. But because I'm scared of needles, I would. Mm -hmm. um, so that one's pretty iconic. You know, the getting burned alive. Like we're starting to move away from just like metal on skin yeah and starting to do other things and then for me personally the razor box one that like put your wrists into it is so simple in its concept and so like gutting in its reality mm -hmm. and so they're few and far between but those few moments are so iconic that i think you remember them more than they are and this was one that mm -hmm. was interesting as we were watching it i was like i haven't watched it that many times but it was coming back to me and i think this is one of those films or one of the films in the series where it does establish that if you play by Jigsaw's rules, you likely will win because the film is really about Donnie Wahlberg's a shitty cop. This is a big ACAP movie. This starts mm -hmm. the trend of the Saw movies very clunkily, but I think with the best intentions in mind, 
punishing systems. Mm-hmm. You know, so being like cops suck. Let's punish them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'd rather have the horror movies on that side than the other. So Donnie Wahlberg's a shitty cop who's done shitty things. And Jigsaw kidnaps his son and puts him in a trap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he says to Donnie Wahlberg, if you just sit with me and talk, you will find your son in a safe and secure location. Yeah. Also, well, it's Jigsaw so, loves Yeah, wordplay. it's so brilliant because, you know, Donnie Wahlberg doesn't play the game. He doesn't listen to the rules. And in the end, his son was safe and secure the whole time. His son was in, in a, a safe. safe. Um, and his son was never going to be killed, right? Which kind of makes me wonder if, you know, retroactively Gordon's daughter was never going to be killed. Like, I kind of wonder, we never see the games play out in that way, but it does seem like in this one, um, Eric's Eric's son, Daniel, has done nothing wrong and Jigsaw has no intention of letting him die. Mm -hmm. Does he, is he okay with traumatizing him for the rest of his life? Yes, but he will not kill him. Um, And so we don't know if maybe there were like, safety measures in place to ensure that these things didn't happen to other people. Like maybe it was just like, would Zepp actually pull the trigger or not, but, but they wouldn't be killed. I don't know. Well, that's just it. It's like Jigsaw had, which ends up being the twist of the movie. He had a ringer in there the whole time protecting his son through Amanda. Yeah. She was there to ensure that Daniel doesn't die. Um, And they've got like safety measures in place to guarantee that. Uh, we find out that by the end, both Amanda and Daniel didn't have the poison in their systems, which when you're rewatching it and you know that you're like, they're not coughing, they're not getting paler and paler. Yeah. It's, you know, it's there for you. And that's something I'll, I'll always give the Saw movies credit for when the twist is revealed or when the, like everything comes together at the end, you're like, the pieces were there the whole time. Always. Yeah. They never were duping you. Um, and in fact, sometimes I'm like, wow, that's a stupid plot hole. And then it turns out that it was there to, you know, help me make sense of the movie by the end when everything is revealed. So the biggest deal in this movie is the fact that Amanda, after being saved in the reverse bear trap, after like winning her game, is so indebted to Jigsaw for like making her realize that she was ungrateful for her life, that she has become sober and that she is now working for Jigsaw, like that she is his protege. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge reveal. Yeah. Now, when you've watched the whole series, it's a little different. I think Saw 2 plays best the first time you watch it. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm I'm not alone in this, in regarding this as the second best in the series for such a long time. But that has shifted so much for me over the course of the last nine days. And I'm so grateful for that. And I I don't think that this is the worst in the series. No. But I think better stories have come along in in this saga. Um, But I do remember Saw 2 was the... I saw Saw 1 once it was available on rental. But it was the year it came out. Yeah. Saw 2, I started to see them in the theater. And we weren't allowed to go see them in the theater because we were 15. Mm -hmm. So I would sneak in. I would pay for a ticket to some dumb kids movie and then sneak into... Um, the Saw movie and I usually went to movies like I would drive to Edmonton from Leduc where we lived because I thought the local theater was poorly run and you know kids would be talking and nothing would be done about it and the screen would sometimes be like half cut off and you'd have to go tell them to fix it and you know you worked there you know this yeah but there was no way I was going to succeed at sneaking in at, at Cineplex yeah so I would go see the Saw movies specifically in Leduc. Um, so that I could sneak into them. 
And I remember seeing this and being gobsmacked, like getting to see my first Saw movie in the theater was this one. Yeah. And just being like this, the traps are gnarly. The reveal that like Daniel was safe and sound the whole time. And that like, if Eric wasn't just such a shitty hothead, he like everything would have been fine. Um, the reveal that Amanda is working for Jigsaw, like it was also like gasp worthy, but it hasn't held up for me as well when you already know all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Still good. Yeah. A great next chapter. You start seeing a bit of the the budget bump. Yeah. It's that interesting. So this one had a $2 million budget. So double the budget, still not a huge budget. It's this interesting thing of a lot of the things that are considered like stylistic staples in the first film were genuinely just a result of not having budget limitations. Yeah. So like, having those rapid repeating shots because they didn't have enough coverage to do anything else. Um, they have no iconic parts of the series. Absolutely. In the first film, they had no budget to do exterior shots. So that's why they have no exterior shots. Oh, I didn't um, even think about that. And it's interesting to see the budget bump, but then attempt to replicate, replicate the style of a low budget film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as the films go on, doing that becomes less and less successful Mm -hmm. and at a certain point i think just having like little nods to the style of the first film while moving in a new direction is the better way to go yeah um this one is very much attempting to replicate the style of the first film and Mm -hmm. you know for better or worse yeah we did say when we were watching this what would it have been like to start start saw two with like a every saw movie is made by an auteur director it's like Mm -hmm. saw two by david lynch Saw three by Julie DeCorno. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. We were like, that would have been sick. Oh my God. A David Lynch Saw movie where it's just like dreamy and fucked. It'd be so great. This is also the first team Saw, like where the main trap is multiple people and they could work together. Right. I mean, I know that Gordon and Adam do in the first film, but it's just the two of them and they're, and they're stuck. These people are like moving from room to room. Yeah. And can help each other out, can work together, but choose and actually should work together, but choose not to. Like they need each other to read what's on the back of their necks. There's a I would argue a better example of that in, Agreed. in a later Saw film. Agreed. But this is kind of the first time that we had that in a Saw film where it's a room to room with a group of people that feels almost more like an escape room mm-hmm. by style, like by nature. Um, and I do find those ones really fun. I like when there's a yeah. main trap with a group of people and we have multiple rooms in them and the people are kind of like free moving within those rooms. I, I like that a lot. Well, and it raises the stakes so much more where it's not just that Jigsaw is picking off individual people and it's just like one crime scene of one person at a time. It's the fact that he has the patience and the stamina to collect multiple people and bring them all into a singular room and have to have them all work with each other or they're often connected in some way too right yeah like that is so there's so much thought and effort put into that that it's it's fucked up to think about but really impressive (laughs) i yeah i i love how this like extends the mythos of jigsaw that gives tobin bell more room to play that brings in amanda as a central player that while there is cop stuff, the cop stuff is integral to the main trap. Like those are happening subsequently and in relation to each other rather than cutting between them where one is like hunting for the other, but they're not actually connected. Like I like that 
Eric is watching his son in the traps. I think that that's a nice balance between the two. And I like that it's like very ACAB. Um, how did Satu make you feel? Embraced to go downhill from here. That's how I felt in the moment when I took my notes. How did it make you feel? It made me feel all in for brief pockets, but kind of neutral on the rest. Like there's elements of Satu that I think are amazing, but as a whole, it doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I do like, you know, it's not my favorite ending of the series or like one of my tops, but I quite like it. Like it's just Jigsaw in the in the truck and then it, it just takes the frame <laughs> and shrinks the frame. It's uh, it's not too bad. Okay. Saw 3, 2006. Boozman's back. Directed by Daryl Darren Lynn Boozman. And the story is by Lee Winnell, James Wan. And he did the screenplay for this one as well. Yeah, this is the last time that Lee Winnell is actively involved in the writing process. Yes. It stars Tobin Bell. Back as Jigsaw slash John Kramer. Shawnee Smith as Amanda. Angus McFadden as Jeff. Bahar Sumek as Lynn. Donnie Wahlberg's back as Eric Matthews and Dina Meyer as Carrie. Synopsis. Jigsaw abducts a doctor in order to keep himself alive while he watches his new apprentice put an unlucky citizen named Jeff through a brutal test. What a silly synopsis. Um, don't get better from here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What'd you think of Saw 3? So when we started our rewatch, I thought I remembered liking Saw 2 better than Saw 3. So much, but more. this is one of my favorites of the series. Yeah, um, it's so good. I think in retrospect, having watched all ten of them, this one is kind of the hinge film that connects every other film. Yes, um, that in a very like literal way in in some aspects, but also like this is the film that by the end of the series or, or by where the series is currently at, I should say, we see that everything kind of came together with different players from various different films in this movie, even if we didn't know it at the time. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing about this movie, it is essentially a no cops film. Yes. Almost no cops at all. Jigsaw is very, very sick. Like he is on his way out. Um, and Amanda abducts a doctor to perform a like DIY brain surgery on him or not surgery, but a brain procedure on him in like their lab. Um, I always like a Saw movie when we are invested in the person playing the game. Yes. And especially when it's kind of focused on one person. Like there's one yeah. person who has gone through something or done something and they are being put through a test that we understand. Like we understand why Jigsaw wants to play a game with them. Mm -hmm. And this movie does that so well. And I think, yeah, it's as with everything with Saw, it just scratches the surface of, of, what could be done with a story like this, but the narrative being that there is this dad who is in a deep depression and his life is falling apart around him because his son was killed by a hit and run driver. Yeah. And that he has repeatedly wanted to punish the people who were involved in the hit and run, not in the, not just the person who hit his son, but the witness who, who didn't speak about it. The defense lawyer who, helps get him a light charge, the judge who sentences the light charge, like all of these things. He has fantasized about punishing these people. And now Jigsaw is putting him in spaces with these people with the chance to punish them if he wants to. Mm -hmm. And so we're continuing that trend of like, those people have no way to save themselves. 
Yeah. But in this movie, you also understand that they were genuinely involved in helping somebody who killed a child. Yeah. Get a lighter sentence. Yeah, it's like I said, like it's established very quickly just through dialogue that these are corrupt or bad people. And yet also not. I mean, one of the interesting things about this film that I probably didn't have the ability to recognize the first time I saw it is that by the time we build to the reveal of like the person who hit his son, like we've been kind of getting there, that person is like already grieving and punishing themselves for what they did, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and when we have the scene with the judge, he says like, you know, in trying to save himself, he's like, we could get a sentence extended, but there's a reason he gave that guy a light sentence. And it was because it was a mistake. He didn't mean to do it. And like, what good does it do to keep him in jail for the rest of his life? Mm -hmm. Right. And so the film is kind of challenging that, but on a very, shallow level yeah. such that when I was a 16 year old watching this, I was just like, yeah, kill that guy that hit a child, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but I do think this movie is, it's wrestling with the idea of who deserves punishment and what does punishment look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like that it raises a debate within the audience of the fairness of Jigsaw's traps and that it does play with the idea of, gray areas and that there is open it encourages open debate about these things and i like that you like people like us care enough to dig into that <laughs> i think that that's really great and i i love that they just seem like they listened to my critique about the cop stuff sucking in the last one got rid of it got rid of it completely because everything that's going on between, we start with killing our main cop and then we're done with cops for <laughs> yeah. the rest of it and like the dynamic between jigsaw amanda and lynn is super strong and then as soon as Jeff comes in you can just so get where he's coming from and why he would just want to rip through all of these people that have affected his life in such a huge way and the traps in this there's some real good traps in this this is the genuinely I believe this is the first entry in the series that could be called torture porn yes. I think in I think film two ramps things up a little bit, but it's still pretty tame. You know, like it's fire and it's like needles stuck in your arms. And yes, you see a bit of blood with their like razor trap with the, where she puts her arms in it, but you don't like get close ups of like the razors cutting her skin in this one. First of all, it's the first time we've seen nudity in the film. Yeah. And we don't often see men or women anyone nude in the movies and I, I prefer it that way I was like I don't know that we need her like completely naked in this she could have been in like her underwear and I think that would have been fine um, but this is where things start to get gnarly like you see like bones you see like limbs smashed and then like the bones poke out you see like actual cutting into you see like skin like there's the the rib trap with like our main cop from the first two films where you literally see the skin rip away from her um it's gnarly i love it i could also see how this is where people would start to tap out if like gore really bothers them um and this this is the movie where the films say yeah we're going to be gory yeah and they got the budget to do so yeah so we go from 1 million in the first film 2 million in the second film 4 million for this film it's keep Doubling. Yeah. Double, double, double. Yeah. Um, and I like that this film does make connections back to Saw 1 
this, like you said, this plays a huge role in the Saw series because we see the demise of both Amanda and Jake Saw. Yeah, there's a lot of ways, and I've heard people talk about this, where if the Saw film was a trilogy, this would have been a great way to close the trilogy. Yeah, totally. Like, it makes sense. The movies could end here, and it would be satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, from this point on, because both Jigsaw and Amanda, I'm still not convinced Amanda's dead. We see Jigsaw autopsied, but we just see Amanda get shot in the gut. I think I think she could be alive. She gets shot in the neck. Oh, I still, you know what? Tap got freaking like sliced, sliced in, the in the throat and survived in the first one. So I, I maintain that Amanda is still alive. It's that Game of Thrones rule that if you don't see the body officially dead, then they might not be dead. Like we've seen her lying there a lot in, in subsequent films as well. But we've never seen anything with her body past that point. Like we're literally in an autopsy room with Jigsaw's body and they don't show Amanda's body yeah. in the next film. So I think she's still alive. But regardless, Jigsaw's for sure dead at the end of this film. And so from this point on, to have Jigsaw in the films, it needs to be a flashback, yeah. right? So they, there's a lot of stuff that happens in some sequent films to deal with the fact that they killed off the two killers at the end of this movie, um, which sometimes works very effectively and sometimes doesn't. This film... Watching it, I I loved it, to be honest. It's one of my favorites in the series, but it does set up some really complicated stuff with Amanda, where I see her not as like this person whose life was saved, who genuinely wants to work with him, but feels more like a Manson girl. Yeah. Like where it feels like she's been manipulated and taken advantage of by a like charismatic egomaniac. (laughs) Yeah. Um. And that sucks because in later films, it does seem more like she just genuinely wants to work with him. But this film has her as such like a cowering, like obsessive, like she loves Jigsaw to the point of jealousy, which doesn't feel like someone who just is working with someone as a mentor. Well, it's so and it's that gets tested so much throughout the series, because on the one hand, it's exactly that. On the other it seems like this is the first person that has chosen to care for her, to mentor her, to like give a shit about her. But that's also where it becomes icky because in having that kind of power over her, how much of this is really like her own will, right? Um, I don't know. The film is not, the films are not interested in exploring that. And later films seem to kind of, give her more agency than this film does. Mm -hmm. And I guess we just have to suspend our disbelief and go with the version of Amanda that we like the most. Um, But in this one, I'm like, man, there is some like Charles Manson shit happening here. And I don't, I don't love that. Yeah. I will also say something that I like about the series is that from film one, there's a lot of people of color in the movies Mm -hmm. and the film seems to be, with one ex- one exception, one film is an exception, seems to be pretty equal opportunist in like who gets tortured the most and who gets killed the most. Like it's just people, people just get tortured and killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's cops of color. And um, so Lynn, the doctor, is played by an Iranian woman. And she said it was like such, uh, she was in that, the movie Crash. Oh. Like the, the one that won the Oscar that people think yeah. shouldn't have won the Oscar. But she said it was such a, she doesn't really like horror movies, but it was such a relief to be 
playing a character that wasn't like solely based on her ethnicity. Yeah. And really wasn't at all. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, and I think we need films like that too, where there's just people of color populating the films Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really matter about that in terms of their identity. And then we do need films where like their identity is tied to their ethnicity and that's a part of the exploration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is that it, this was the first film to prompt a question that I asked you and we had a little discussion about was who gets a tape and who gets a video from Jigsaw? And we determined that typically people that are bound will get a video because they can't press play on a tape. And that seems to be true throughout the series. It was a, it was an interesting, it was a revelation. It was an interesting thought exercise because sometimes it doesn't seem like people should be getting the tape because they're, I mean, they can barely move, but still. And if, what if they like in their fear and their panic that they drop the thing, does Jigsaw have a backup plan? In the 10th film he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. I, I th- no, I think he always does. I think there's ways, you know, like he, can you stop doing that please? I think he always has himself or somebody else there watching the game who can step in if needed. And we know that by the, by the, by the time where we're at having watched 10 of them, we know this. I shouldn't question whether or not Jigsaw has backup plans. He's got backup plans for his backup plans. Yeah. You know, uh, like I said, in the last film, I was prepared to go downhill after Saw 2, but what a surprise that Saw 3 actually ended up being one of my top favorites in the entire series. So the folks involved in making it said the goal was to have an emotionally impactful ending, and I think they were successful in that. I think the final reveal that Lynn is the mother of the dead child, mm-hmm. um, I think you don't see it coming. I think it's really emotional. I think the the fact that Amanda is part of the test, like, this film and subsequent films that call back to it continue to play with the idea of whose game was this really? Mm-hmm. Like whose game was film threes? And that final moment where just like the chaos of this person shooting this person shooting this person so that there's an explosion so that this person dies um, is central to everything that happens from that point on. Yeah. And, you know, God bless whoever is keeping tabs on the lore of Saw and bringing it to the production. The of continuity. These films. The <laughs> continuity captain. Yeah. Um, okay. Saw 3. How did it make you feel? It made me feel, feel an emotional and moral investment, even if it was a simple one. Yeah. You. Just pleasantly surprised and totally invested. Sharp turn for Saw 4. For a while, it was our least favorite in the series, and then something came in and bumped that out. Um, Saw 4 came out in 2007. It was also directed by Boozman, Darren Lynn Boozman, that is. It was written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan and Thomas Fenton. All of the films, um, Lee Winnell and James Wan are credited as original story writers, but we are going to stop saying that at this point. Mm -hmm. It stars Tobin Bell as Jigsaw, despite the fact that he's dead. Scott Patterson as Agent Strom, Luke Steiner himself. (laughs) Hostess Mandalore as Hoffman. (laughs) Betsy Russell as Jill Tuck, which um, I think you pointed out, yeah, it would be a great, great drag name. Uh, Lyric Bent as Rig and Athena Kirkhan as Agent Perez. The synopsis is, despite Jigsaw's death, 
And in order to save the lives of two of his colleagues, Lieutenant Rig is forced to take part in a new game, which promises to test him to the limit. What do you think of Saw 4? Man, from a boozeman banger to a boozeman bummer. Um, yeah. This wasn't good. This totally did the opposite of what the last film did, and we were just focused on the cops. Yeah. You know, in reading reviews of other people who were doing this, I think some people like the cop stuff and some people don't. And that really informs which are your least and most favorite films. Like what you go to a Saw film for informs that. And I hate the cop storylines. I don't even like it in the first one. Like I think it's barely in the first one, but I don't even like it there. This is the first of the Saw films that I actively hated. Yeah. And then I got kind of worried because I'm like, we have a lot more left and are they all just going to be this bad from this point? There are too many cops. You made me laugh really hard by saying that this film is also a cab, but it stands for all cops are boring. (laughs) Yeah. There are not enough traps. And even the traps you see, they're so forgettable. Yeah, I can't. I can't even. And like, just really sucks that, you know, again, through Rig, who was kind of meant to take the reins on this one and be like our main trap protagonist we just like didn't know anything about him and yeah his story wasn't that compelling nor were any of the other characters around him no this film does rig dirty and and it's a shame that the first film while the movies have always had like people of color populating them the first film that gives a person of color a more active storyline a very visible person of color yeah it's just uninteresting and i just don't really care about him and i think there's a version of the rig storyline that I could care about. Yeah, totally. I just don't like the way that it's followed through with. This is also, I think, of all of the films, the most means maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's this and another film I think have the most mean spirited traps. Um, also, in watching this one, there's a trap um, with a man who's been like sexually assaulting women. And it made me realize that the Saw films almost never have sexual violence in them. Yeah. Like, I don't think I n- realized that until that scene. And then I was like, oh, I, I I, don't need to see this. I don't need to see, like, in the background tapes of him sexually assaulting women and hearing their screams and close-ups on their, like, abused bodies. I don't need to see that. And typically the films, they're incredibly gory, they're incredibly violent, but not sexually so. Mm-hmm. And... Really, this is kind of the last, the one and only time it it does that. Yeah. And I'm so glad that it didn't keep going in that direction because these Jigsaw has no interest in that. Um, and I know that in this case, they're just punishing someone who has been a sexual abuser. Mm-hmm. But I didn't need it and I didn't like it. And like, It's very upsetting. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that so many other times throughout the series... You know, even in the traps that don't involve somebody who was a sexual abuser, you can establish how deplorable or how nasty a person is just through the words that are on the tape or in the video of just like, you've done this thing or you've been this person and this is why you're here without showing us videos or clips fact, or anything. There is another character that it's implied that he is sexually abusing children, but they don't show us it. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know why they couldn't have done the same thing with this guy. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that up until this point, the Saw films have kind of established themselves as safe for people who sexual violence is a trigger for. Mm-hmm. And this film kind of breaks that contract. Thankfully, every film from this point on, I think, is relatively like there's one tiny moment in Saw 10 where like a woman is threatened with sexual violence, but then nothing happens. Yeah. Um, But that was really a moment for me where I was like, oh, I do not do not like this. Yeah. It also introduces Hoffman and I could care less about him. He is my least favorite character in the entire franchise. And this is the start of his journey of getting way too much screen time and being a major player. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know who (laughs) loves Hoffman, but it's not me. I hate Hoffman. I agree. Um, This does have a really strong start, though. Because it starts with Jigsaw's autopsy. Yes. Yeah, and that autopsy scene, when we were watching this, because from this point on, I don't, I didn't remember the film super well. Like, I had seen them, but I couldn't, like, as we're watching them, things are coming back to me. Yeah. But I'm not totally solid on what's happened. So the opening autopsy scene is such a shift in style, and it was very, like, the gore was really impressive on it, mm-hmm. but almost beautifully so. And yeah. it was just really, really great. And I was getting amped up for like moving in a new direction and then they just don't do that. Yeah. Fumbled the ball. And yeah, they were just, I mean, most saw movies are spinning a lot of plates, but this was spinning too many plates and none of them were good. Cause they've, they're, they're trying to introduce Hoffman, Strom, make rig who has been like in the background, I think in a few other movies, maybe two and three, Mm -hmm. make him a prominent character. Still have Jigsaw involved in some way. Like there's, yeah, there's just too much going on here. They're trying to retcon the series to like continue it while Jigsaw is dead. And it doesn't totally work for me. There's only one thing in this movie that I really liked. Same. And that is Billy the Puppet's office. (laughs) I didn't understand what was happening. But at one point we go into a room that ha- that is labeled off this. It might be for Billy. <laughs> I love that that was somebody's contribution. I feel like, like if I had an office that was like off kiss. <laughs> K for Kylie. <laughs> Everybody should do that. Everybody should throw the first letter of their first name into in replacement of the second F in office. <laughs> so what's new m- trend? What's mine? Off ice? Off ice. Off ice. Off ice. Um, you too can do that if you would like an off this. <laughs> it's the only thing I liked about the movie. That's not true. I do like there's a, a one trap with the principal and his secretary, who I believe might also be husband and wife. I'm not too sure about that. And the principal's been like abusing children and he's going to die no matter what. He can't save himself. Um, <laughs> yeah. But she has a chance to save herself and kill him in the process. And I thought that trap was pretty cool where it's like the arrows have been put, put through his vital organs, but they've been put through parts of her body that can survive being like punctured. Yeah. And if she pulls them out, he will die, but she will live. Yeah. I liked that one. And the hair scalping scene is like pretty good. Yeah, that's brutal. But everything else kind of sucks. I think these are the worst traps of the series. I think it's the most disjointed of the series. And I fucking hate Hoffman. Yeah. I don't I don't like this. I don't like this movie. <laughs> I don't like it either. If I was doing a rewatch, I would watch the autopsy scene, maybe watch the last 10 minutes, skip the rest. How does Saw 4 make you feel? 
frustrated by this brutal mess. How's it make you feel? Bored and frustrated. Yeah. Okay. Saw five. 2008. It's directed by David Hackle this time. Boozman's gone. Bye-bye, Boozman. But the writers are the same. Yeah. Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. Um, main players here. Um, Agent Strong by Scott Peters, Scott Patterson, Luke Steiner. Hoffman's back. Costas Mandalore. Jake Saw, Tobin Bell. And Jill Tuck. Betsy Russell. Also see Julie Benz as Brit. Um, Rita yeah. from Dexter, Darla from Buffy. That, right, right, right. Uh, synopsis. Following Jigsaw's grisly demise, Mark Hoffman is commended as a hero, but Agent Strom is suspicious and delves into Hoffman's past. Meanwhile, another group of people are put through a series of gruesome tests. You could almost just copy and paste that, change some of the names, and that's almost every Saw movie. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, I mean... What do you think? <laughs> so, so a lot of people, this is their least favorite saw. And I don't really get that because I hated for so much. Yeah. Um, and when I saw this at the time, we might have seen, no, I don't think we saw this one together. We're, we're approaching seeing things together. Yeah. Um, we knew each other at this point, but I don't think we saw it together. Yeah. I remember seeing it at the time and really liking the reveal in the main trap that this group of people all could have survived if they just worked together. Yes. I liked that. I mean, I also am always like kindness and teamwork and yay. Um, so maybe it just appeals to me, but a lot of people like really don't like saw five. And is it like the cop stuff? Is it like, cause I don't know. I mean, on rewatch, I will say as much as I remember loving the main trap the first time around, there's not a lot of it. Yeah. Like it's really only three things. It's like the chains with the keys and the, the pipe bombs with the like tunnels, which is like pretty boring. And then the tub, the tub and then the, the saw at the end. Yeah. But the first two are kind of boring. And like they've done a version of that, like people chained around their necks trying to get out of the room so many times um, or at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the and the pipe bomb one is just pretty fast and boring. Like, just get into the tunnel. Um, so on a rewatch, I see that like that main trap is. There just aren't a lot of traps in this movie. Yeah. And like we're cutting to a lot of like Strom stuff. And it's just like it's like Strom pursuing Hoffman. And it's like uh, and like his boss at the FBI and like who gives a fuck. I will say, though. I do give a little bit more of a shit about the Hoffman Strom stuff in this than I did in four. And the opening with Strom is really strong with his head in the box. Yes. And he has to trach himself. And so one thing that we neglected to talk about in Saw 4 is that Saw 4 and Saw 3 were happening concurrently. Yes. Like they were happy. So that's how they kind of retcon having a fourth movie where Jigsaw is already dead is that the events of Saw 4 are happening at the same time as the events of Saw 3, and the end of Saw 4 culminates with the end of Saw 3. Yeah. Um, which I remember feeling was, like, so cool at the time. That's kind of a weak twist. I mean, it, it's like, it's, what it's, I, it's, it's okay. It's fine. What I like about it is that it's putting all of these things together, right? That we're, like, very much the series... You need to see all of them, yeah. right? And I and I do like that. Um, 
this is the first Saw film that I feel dares to move away from the Saw style a little bit and is like kind of okay with not constantly being green lighting, not having all of these like fast shots and whip pans. And um, it's the first Saw movie not to have like a metal song in the credits. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's and it's also establishing Hoffman as an un, unreliable successor to Jigsaw. Yes. Because while Jigsaw is all about, go back to the word fairness, and that it gives people a chance and a choice, Hoffman kind of yields or wields that to just service his own needs. So we start with like the pendulum trap, which the person is somebody um, Hoffman is getting revenge on and doesn't have a chance to survive. Yeah, there's no way to survive it. And he does the same thing with like Donnie Wahlberg can't survive. Agent Strom is not meant to be able to survive. Like he's just using Jigsaw as a scapegoat to kill people he wants to kill. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is kind of also the point in the series where I'm like, I hate Hoffman, but I think the films also don't want us to like him. Yeah. Which is a bold choice to have your like main through line be so unlikable um four and five tend to blend and eight, even six a little bit start to kind of blend together in my mind and it's hard to remember what happened and what yeah but i will say i love the ending of this one and we talk about it often with yeah. strom getting smooshed yeah <laughs> um there's not a lot that's super memorable about like four or five four or five to me and they kind of pair similarly with each other i just think for me i like the traps and the main trap of five a lot better mm -hmm. i like that there's no sexual violence i like that the traps are less mean-spirited and more just like again a game that you can win whereas the fourth one is all about like are you going to kill these people or put these people in traps or not rig and i didn't love that so i do like that this one has that main trap that i can watch and care about but honestly the hoffman and strom stuff is pretty boring yeah. Other than watching Strom get smooshed at the end because that's kind of fun. Yeah, I think that that's my biggest takeaway from the film is the the room to room, especially the last room with the saw blades and like them realizing that they could have all worked together. And yeah, the ending is really great and a really satisfying conclusion to the frustrating Strom story. Yeah, it's it's not amazing, but it's not one of my least favorites. How do you make you feel? Like Saw is back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Made me feel happy to be back on track. Yeah. Made me feel ha just happy to be back on track. Saw 6. 2009. Directed by Kevin Grutert, who is an important name in the series. Yeah. And we have some, some continuity in writers here, written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. It stars Tobin Bell as Jigsaw, Costas Mandalore as Hoffman, Mark Rolston as Erickson, Betsy Russell as Jill Tuck, and Peter Outerbridge as William. And to be honest, I can't even remember who some of those people are. <laughs> <laughs> Synopsis. Agent Strom is dead. An FBI agent Erickson draws nearer to Hoffman. Meanwhile, a pair of insurance executives find themselves in another game set by Jigsaw. What do you think of Saw 6? I didn't really remember this movie at all, but I was pleasantly surprised by it watching it this time. A lot of people like this one. Like a lot of people say in that kind of four, five, six, seven, because we've got that original trilogy mm -hmm. that wrap up and Lee Winnell and James Bond are involved in all of them. 
and they like are focused just on Jigsaw. And then we've got four, five, six, seven, which kind of have the Hoffman stuff going on in them. A yeah. lot of people really like six the most out of these four. Well, and I think what's really interesting if you're looking at them as kind of two trilogies is that I feel like this trilogy, four, five, six, it reaches, like you said with the last one, it's reached a point where everything is blurring together. Uh, I mean, in my notes, when I wrote it right after watching it, I said I've reached a point where everything is blurring together and the Saw theme is constantly playing in my head. But I feel like in this one, the Hoffman storyline goes in a solid direction with him reaching the end of John's plan for him. And I quite enjoy the healthcare commentary in this one and John going after the big pharma people. No, I guess not even big pharma, just like the big healthcare people. Yeah, and this continues that trend of like Saw's kind of woke in a simple way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. you know, I'd rather it be s- simply and shallowly woke than right wing. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, I remember not liking this when we watched it the first time. And I at the t- when we were rewatching this, I would have sworn to you that this was the last one I had seen, which wasn't true. Um, but I actually did like it a fair bit in yeah. rewatching it. I did feel like this is another film where I was getting frustrated by like not understanding Jigsaw's philosophy. Because on the one hand, he says don't kill, but then this the whole main trap of this with William, the insurance guy, is built on him choosing who to kill and who not to kill. And there's no like some people don't have a, a chance for survival. Like one person is going to die, or in the case of like probably the most iconic trap from this movie, the carousel trap only two people are going to live. Yeah. Right. And so, yes, I think you can justify it to an extent in that, like everyone is involved in being part of this medical industrial complex that chooses profit over human lives. But why does William get a chance to be tested? And they don't. And I mean, I I guess the big reveal in the end is that it's not his game. It's, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's somebody else's game. Um, and actually, he doesn't really get to decide if he lives or dies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I start to be like, you know, Jigsaw, are you just using your philosophy as a way to try and justify what you're doing? Um, yeah. If you think too much about it, I think it starts to get kind of mucky. Yeah. So I'm going to not think too much about it. And I think that my review of this one, I was just taking the piss out of the fact that like, like Jill, his wife, is working in this harm reduction clinic, this methadone clinic that like repeatedly Jigsaw and Jill have or John and Jill have these conversations where she's like, you know, recovery is a process and it takes time and people need support. And I believe in harm. She doesn't use the word harm reduction, but essentially harm reduction is her philosophy. And he's like, drug addicts will never change. Yeah. Unless I put them in a reverse bear trap. Yeah. <laughs> but we've also seen in previous films that Amanda was pretty fucked. Yeah. So you know, the films aren't really that interested in exploring that fact, but John is a bit of an egomaniac with a hypocritical philosophy. And I think these, this film really demonstrates that both through the Jill storyline and through the fact that there are so many people in this main trap that have no choice about whether they'll die or not. They, they don't get to play a game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could look at it from this very human thing of like just us as people in everyday lives who aren't serial killers or serial killer adjacent is there is the approach 
which you could, we could say this approach is like a jigsaw trap where you could have a calm conversation with somebody about something that they're doing that's wrong and, and ask them questions about it and ask them to question themselves about it. Or there's just the like flip them the bird and tell them that they're fucking idiots and that they're the scum of the earth. And I feel like there's that exists for jigsaw as well, where like there's the calculated traps where people have the choice to survive or die. But there's also traps like in this one where he's just going to scorch the earth and four out of six people are going to die. So yeah, Jigsaw's ethics are a little bit up and down, over, especially over the last three movies. I will say, though, the final kill is pretty sick in this with the acid paired with the bear trap. And they're doing a similar reveal here as they do in film three of like, oh, the doctor we've been spending time with this whole time is also the mother of the kid who is killed and the wife of the person who's been going through these traps Mm -hmm. in this one we're led to believe that this mother and son who are watching William go through the traps that like they are his wife and son Mm -hmm. and in the end we find out they are the wife and son of somebody who he denied insurance coverage for who has subsequently died yeah and that they get to choose if he lives or dies yeah and there's a great moment where like the mom is gonna like pour acid on him like flip the lever to pour acid on him and she says, I can't. And the son goes, I can. And yeah. just like, yeah. heartless. And you're like, yeah. Um, but the, I, the, the whole effect of, of him and like getting the acid and his like body just melting. This is the thing that the Saw films have won my heart over with is that they're so dedicated to practical effects. Yeah. The only times they send, tend to use CGI are like film three for like the breath that comes out of their mouths when they're in the meat freezer. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's cheesy. But when it comes to like cutting things off and blood and guts, it's all practical and it works so well. And they, they're they doing that up until this newest film. And I so appreciate that. I think that this film has a really good balance of main trap and other storyline. Yeah. Even though like I don't give a shit about this new cop Erickson and that's fine because he dies in this movie. Um, but we're getting some like jigsaw storyline, which is that stuff is more interesting to me. I don't love the whole like him Jill Tuck stuff. It's not my favorite, but I like that. I like getting more of that than I do like any more cop stuff. I will agree. Um, I would much rather spend time with Jigsaw or with Amanda in the past than I would with any cop in the present. Um, Although I will say in the last trap, Hoffman's lateral thinking with the bear trap and going like into the door. It's good. Good lateral thinking. Good lateral thinking. We did talk a lot about how Saw is kind of Taskmaster if it was like evil and dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's some good traps in this one. There, the steam maze is really cool. Mm-hmm. The carousel is really iconic. And then, yeah, that like acid drop yeah. with the like final choice is really great. This had an $11 million budget. It's mm-hmm. a really big b- budget. And Kevin Grutert talked about how he specifically wanted to like shift the style a little bit. Um, and I believe it's a cinematographer used the quote. We wanted to pull back on the color palette. Mm. Like, so they didn't want to have those like garish greens and yellows quite as much, but I think it still sticks within that like philosophy of saw and the way that saw looks without being beholden to it. Yeah. It still feels like a saw movie. Yeah. And that like final reveal with the like insurance storyline feels like it's coming back to the roots of saw where you subvert the viewer's expectations, but in a really simple way. 
like where it doesn't have to be this big convoluted thing. It's just like, oh, fuck, our stupid brains assumed that if we saw a wife and mother or sorry, a wife and son, that they are the wife and son of the person we're spending time with. And we didn't even bother to think that they might be somebody else's wife and son. I love that. It's just it's 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 quite good. Traps are good. Sticking your middle finger to like the American medical system is good. Yeah. It's a pretty fun time. Yep, I agree. How did it make you feel? Filled with surprise and questions about Jigsaw's ethics. How did it make you feel? Compelled by the traps despite some growing saw fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Over you know, I'm really, really, really ready to be done with Hoffman at this point. Yeah. We're over I halfway through. I guy, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a journey. Yeah. We're also about to enter the last one of like the saw era the chronological saw era yeah and then we're gonna start to move into some like different things here yeah no i agree okay so we're moving into the next one which is saw 7 aka saw 3d aka saw the final chapter which tells you a lot about the movie (laughs) that there's that many different names in 2010 uh kevin gruder returns as director same writers patrick melton marcus dunstan Topin Bell plays Jigsaw slash John Kramer. Costas Mandalore is back again, baby, as Hoffman. Betsy Russell is Jill Tuck. Um, Sean, Patrick, Sean Patrick Flannery as Bobby. And whoa, what's this? Carrie Elwes as Dr. Gordon? Whoa. whoa. Where have you been this whole time? As a deadly battle rages over Jigsaw's brutal legacy, a group of Jigsaw survivors gathers to seek the support of self-help guru and fellow survivor Bobby Dagan. A man whose own dark secrets, uh, own dark secrets, unleash a new wave of terror. Okay, what do you think of Saw Seven, aka Saw Three D, aka Saw the Final Chapter? So I could have sworn I hadn't seen this movie, and for like our whole run up until this point, I was like, "Yeah, Saw Six was the last one we watched, and we didn't like it." And, and like, you were like, "No, I've seen body parts flying at the screen," and I yeah. was like, "No, I don't think we saw this in the theater." No, but we once we started watching it, I'm like, "Oh yeah, we've definitely seen this." Yeah, definitely seen it. And I, I want to say too, you said this during the movie. I cannot be happier that we're out of the 3D era. Yeah, there was like that period there where like if you wanted to see a movie and it's like opening weeks, you had to see it in 3D, which first of all fucking sucks for people who wear glasses. Yeah. And second of all, sucks for people like me who are adults with small faces. Yeah. Who the like 3D adult glasses are way too big for my face, but the 3D kids' glasses are like tight on my face but they're better than like literally not being able to see the movie properly because the adult size ones are too big i hate 3d movies i hate that they cost more i hate that they were very rarely done with any intention other than to sell more tickets or not sell more tickets but charge more money money for the tickets so glad it's done that being said it is kind of fun to see limbs flying at the screen (laughs) but like they flew at the screen even without 3d glasses yeah that was fine I like that Grutert is continuing with like having some new style. Like we open with a daylight trap, a like public trap. Yeah. This is a movie and like I'm a little mad at whoever's involved in this. And it's a shame because Grutert's made other movies that I really liked. And these writers have made other like written other versions of Saw that I really like. This is the only Saw movie that I think is misogynistic. Yeah. Where like the deaths of women are so much more brutal and gruesome than the deaths of men. And we open with a trap that seems specifically set out to like say, fuck you women. Yeah. 
Now, if that tra- that original trap had like a man on the top and two women at the bottom and then the movie proceeded to have some more gruesome deaths with women, I'd be like, whatever, equal opportunity. Yeah. But the fact that this opening trap is a woman who has, and this again feels a little bit more like with Amanda, really we're going to punish her because she does drugs? Like that feels really intense. Yeah. Um, in this one, her they've been picked because she's cheating on them both. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit more to it. It's something like she's cheating on them both and she convinces them to like commit fraud to like pay for her life. I totally missed that. Yeah. He says something. The tape says something like she has tricked you into committing crimes to fund her lifestyle. <laughs> something like that. But I'm like, these are some pretty minor things. This is no like medical industrial complex. No dirty cop. No rapist. Like this is some pretty mild. No hit and run of a child. You know, like. Everything else aside, like this feels actually really relevant to today. Like this is a very like if you're punishing like an influencer, because it's very public. It's for there for everybody to watch. Um, Little pre-influencer time, but we're getting into that day and age. Yeah. But the language that's being used during it, we're like, it's just like fuck, fuck that bitch. Like it's very misogynistic, and yeah, and we don't have like a flip side to that with men. If we did, I would, I would be like, whatever. It's we just hate all people. Like these are just nihilistic movies. So that's a bit of a bum bummer that it's, it's a bit of a bum. It's a bit of a bum. Bit of a bum. It's a bit of a bummer that this is a film that is so gruesomely killing women, and the male deaths are pretty like non bloody. It's just like oh, you got hung. Whereas the women's ones are like oh, we like penetrated your eyes and mouth, or we fished a key out of your stomach while you screamed. While the and man told is you like, not to scream. And while the man is just like, shut, shut up, the, shut, shut the up. Fuck up. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not, not great. Usually I find these films to be so equal opportunity in who and how, who they kill and how they kill them. The only kills in this that are like nasty with men are the neo-Nazi scene. Yeah. And that, but even then like a woman gets her face like crushed, crushed and then like run wheeled, over, run over and it's quite violent. But we also see like Lincoln park. That uh, that was my favorite. Um, That's what I remember from this movie. The, the skin peeling off is like so gross and like such a great example of when Saw does simple well. Like just that squirmy feeling of like skin pulling off is so upsetting. Yeah. And like the guy's limbs getting like and his mouth getting like ripped off as the car. Yeah. So there is there are some gruesome deaths with men, but there are far more gruesome deaths with women. Um Yeah. I personally like the concept of a person who is capitalizing on the jigsaw survivor dumb to make money. That feels like it would happen in real life. Totally. Um, I hate a liar. So like, yeah, punish that fuck. But the best part of this movie is how they de-age John Kramer in a flashback. What do they do to make him look young? <laughs> Some real Joey Tribbiani logic. Yeah, they just like throw a backwards hat on him. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to make an old ass man look 10 years younger is to throw a backwards cap on him. <laughs> Sup, whack the PlayStation to sup. <laughs> <laughs> I could play a 20 year old. Um, oh, I saw a great meme this week of like, oh, Blink O'Day 2 are dropping a new single and there's a new Saw movie coming out. <laughs> How I feel. It's just John Kramer. His <laughs> backwards from this cap. Movie. <laughs> Iconic. Um, so, so good. This movie wins big points for me because it ends the Hoffman storyline. 
or at and least Jill it Tuck. seemed to. And in ending Jill Tuck's storyline, we see a reverse bear trap in action and it's fucking sick. Yeah. It's like if Barbara, when she does her scary face in Beetlejuice, <laughs> was like a nasty, gory thing. Yeah. And I, for one, loved it. Yeah. Finally. Like getting to see how that, not just like blowing up a styrofoam head, but like what would that do to a real yeah. human body? Because like Amanda gets out, Hoffman lateral thinks his way out of it. It's like, finally. I just want to see someone's face get reverse bear trapped. And it's nasty and it's great. And that's the point I'm at in this series where I've been watching them for just days on days solid. I just want to see somebody's face get ripped open by this thing we've been talking about since the first one. I also loved the reveal of like this guy who's been lying about being a jigsaw victim, becoming a jigsaw victim. And then the last trap being the trap he invented. Yeah. And in making him do his own trap. The big reveal is that that trap is actually impossible and he fucked himself by creating a trap because as soon as he started doing it. And I mean, granted, I had seen this before, even though I didn't remember it. I'm like, the skin's going to rip off. Like you can't put hooks through your pectoral muscles and then use that to hold your body up. The skin will rip. And sure enough, it does. Like, yeah. So he created a trap that Jigsaw would never have created because yeah. it was unwinnable. Mm-hmm. But he has trapped himself with it because he claimed you could you could win it. So I, I liked that one. Perhaps the best part of this movie is that it became very clear that it was filmed on a similar lot to something that we used to be big fans of and they didn't take out. It was so funny. Just like, um, I just out of nowhere, I just get very hyped up. And, oh my God. Oh my God. We had to go back and freeze frame. Uh, all of the Saw movies, except for Saw 10, are shot in Toronto, Canada. What was also being shot in Toronto, Canada at the time was one of our favorite shows at the time, Canada's Worst Driver. It's a deep cut Canadian reality show. And it takes place at an airport. That's where the dri- the driving camp is. But there's a box in the background of one of the scenes near the end of this movie that says CWD5. So Can- Canada's Worst Driver, season five. So funny. So good. This uh- movie <laughs> this is so good. This movie also brings Gordon back. Um, yeah, they got to do some major retconning for it, but I would love to have him back. I'd love to to know how he felt about not being able to make good on his promise to Adam. Yeah, he promised. He promised. They do kind of show that. So he won his trap and, and true to Jigsaw's logic, if you win your trap, he will like get you to a hospital or get you. Like once you've done what you needed to do, he's not going to let anything else kill you. Yeah. Um, and so because he cut off his his leg and he and he got got it. I mean, technically he didn't win his trap, wasn't it? That like he had to kill Adam. Um, yes. But whatever. I guess Jake says like you you've 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 endured, you're now grateful for your life. Um that like Amanda in surviving his trap, he became indebted to Jigsaw and he started working for him, and they kind of show us that he He's been the person who's been doing like surgeries, like sewing a key behind an eye. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I can get behind that. Cause I'm like, how the fuck Jigsaw know how to do this stuff? And, and maybe Gordon's the one helping him with these slow acting poisons coursing through veins. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about it until just this moment. Jigsaw doesn't say anything in the first one about them sawing through their feet. Like, Gord- no, it's Adam who. Gordon just makes that assumption. Is it Gordon? He says he doesn't want us to saw through our chains. chains. He wants us to saw through our feet. Yeah. So like it's an option that's there, but Jigsaw never makes mention of it. Yeah. I mean, Gordon, it was Gordon's trap and he was supposed to kill Adam within the hour, which he didn't do. Yeah. 
you know what really sucks now too? I'm thinking about this is that Gordon cuts off his foot and then throws the saw away, but nowhere near Adam. So like, even if Adam, instead of very sadly dying in that room, he being could, suffocated by Amanda with a plastic wrap. Yeah. Like he couldn't, even, he didn't even have a chance to cut off his foot because he oh. broke his saw. Man, Adam, RIP, man. I loved that guy. But it's good to see Gordon back. And I, I love the moment where he goes to uh, Bobby. Is that that guy's name? Goes to Bobby's like survivor support group. And you and I were having a hard time. We just watched all the movies and we're like, what person, what movie is that person from? <laughs> Trying to figure it out. But he does his like slow clap and is like, oh, yeah. Just chewing the scenery. Which was pretty fun. I just, it makes me so sad that stuff couldn't be worked out between Carrie Elwes and the studio that Gordon couldn't have played. I would have preferred Gordon over Hoffman. Yeah. And to have it not be a cop. Yeah. Like there's, you know, Strom is searching for somebody, but he's not a cop. I think Gordon would follow Jigsaw's dubious ethics though well and i think what would have made gordon a more interesting character to follow is that hoffman was just a bad person like yeah hoffman was the saw he used jigsaw to like enact his own revenge and get his like own thrills yeah and like look for ways to subvert this this the legal system and the cop and the cops and, and it everything. makes me doubt jigsaw that he trusted hoffman that's just it and whereas like gordon is not a corrupt person like i think he's done some shitty things but it would be great to see him struggling with you know having gone through this trauma of the jigsaw trap and then going under his wing and helping this man that kidnapped him and just navigating that i feel like there's just a good story there there is a chance to make that movie (sighs) yeah so it's sad to see him show up seven movies in six movies later from his first one but happy to see him there's a lot of pokey pokey stabby stabby in this. I like pokey pokey stabby stabby. I just was wish it wasn't mostly on women. Yeah. There was but like that was like a go-to. It's like I have all these like really sharp tubes. Well, they're doing like a hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil thing, which like I, I'm into, but seen it a lot lately at a lot of decor stores we've been going to. It's <laughs> true. Um, yeah, you know, pretty decent. Didn't hate this one. Didn't hate it. No. How'd it make you feel? At this point in our movie watching journey, it made me feel like I had lost all ability to objectively judge whether a Saw movie was good or not because I just thought it was a good time. Yeah, I I totally echo that. But I'll say like, you know, the overwhelming feeling I felt was just a readiness for new territory. We saw the end of Hoffman, Jill Tuck. They set up that Gordon was a big part of it. I didn't know what to expect because... Big shocker, you and I had not seen the next two Saw movies. No. We were and going I mean, into new territory. It makes sense. There's a seven-year gap between this one and the next one. I feel like they took such a long time to get to it that we were kind of like, eh, we're done with Saw. That's a different time in our lives. Um, and it's the next two movies, at least what we understood about them, like do move into a completely new thing. And so it felt like we'd capped that aspect of the films, like that story, um, also 2017, I was in, a, I was a first year teacher. We were busy. Yeah. And yeah. We started to move in a new direction away from that kind of chronological version of the series with 2017's Jigsaw. 
It was directed by Michael and Peter Spierig, and I believe this is the only one of the series that they directed, mm-hmm. and written by Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger. It stars Matt Passmore as Logan Nelson, our good buddy Tobin Bell as Jigsaw, <laughs> Callum Keith Rennie as Halloran, and Hannah Emily Anderson as Eleanor. The synopsis for this one is bodies are turning up around the city, each having met a uniquely gruesome demise. As the investigator, as the investigation proceeds, evidence points to one suspect, John Kramer, the man known as Jigsaw, who has been dead for over 10 years. What did you think of Jigsaw? I mean, as we said, this is the first one in the series we have never seen before. Brand new territory. And what a surprise that this was actually sick as hell. I thought this was great. Yeah, I was really into this in a way that I didn't expect. It also was a different movie than I expected. When mm-hmm. I knew that there was a, one film in the series called Jigsaw, I assumed it was like a prequel or something like focused on Tobin Bell and his character of Jigsaw much more prominently, and it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, it, it is interesting to me that they named it that. Yeah. I think it may have been a bit of a misnomer and I don't really know how it was received at the time. But if you went in thinking that, I think it would be a disappointment. Um, for me, this was a really nice change of pace because stylistically it's the most different from anything we've seen before. It's really crisp. Um, the building that the main trap is in is not a grimy abandoned building it's like a fairly nice barn yeah you know and it's kind of nice to move away from those urban industrial sites and into something with a different color palette um i personally loved the main trap yeah like i thought that the story of why they're all there evoked some similarities to saw five but done better yeah, even like where the main trap starts off is very reminiscent of Saw 5. Yeah, it seems like a much better version of that. And some of the traps and the deaths within that are real good. Yeah. And real equal opportunists. Like we've moved away from the like, let's just focus on deaths of women and into like anyone can die gruesomely at any time. It doesn't matter their race or gender, um, which is how I prefer my Saw movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was actually invested in the E-plot, if you could call it that. Like, it uh, it wasn't super cop-focused, and the even though cops are involved, I quite liked following our character who works in the morgue as, what are, what are those people called? Coroners. Thank you, yeah. And I, and I thought that, where that story landed by the end was actually compelling. I actually cared and gave a shit about the trajectory. I do like that character of um, Logan. Now, I don't know that that storyline would hold up as well for me on a rewatch. Those kind of elements of it felt very slightly elevated criminal minds or SVU episode, especially with um, the fellow coroner. Who like is a fan of Jigsaw? Yeah, and like let's let's get the, let's get make sure that I'm clear here. For a Saw movie, <laughs> yeah. for a Saw movie, you were it, invested. It's 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 good. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> As like a, if this was not a Saw movie, any other movie, not that good. 
this felt like what Spiral, which we'll talk about next, is trying to do, but doing it better. Mm-hmm. And it came first in that it's kind of moving it into more anthology territory while still keeping links to the original story, but starting to be more comfortable moving away from the need to be chronologically linked up to the original three. And what throws this out of whack is the fact that the new one has come out and it's called Saw 10, which is then making Jigsaw and Spiral. Saw 8 and 9, even though they're not titled that. Yeah, and you're right. This and Spiral seem like they're trying to do an anthology thing, but it it kind of fails the uniformity of the series yes this one does feel like it could have been titled saw eight totally um like i don't really think the name jigsaw is doing much for it and like i said if anything maybe it's doing it a disservice by making it seem like it's going to be about tobin bell when it isn't really like if i went to see a movie called jigsaw and i got saw 10 what saw 10 is You'd be happy. That would make more sense. Yeah, if I went to a movie called Michael Myers and then it wasn't about Michael Myers, I'd be pretty disappointed. (laughs) You know, like it's so it's a bit silly that it's named that, but I did really like it. I liked the diversity of the traps, like the buried alive trap is so upsetting, despite the fact that it's not blood based or like maim your limb based mm-hmm. um the syringe like i like that we were there were some really inventive traps that are still really scary and really like make you squirm and yet they don't rely on cutting a limb off um so the syringe trap like yeah. there there you have a like if you put the wrong one in you'll get acid injected into you and then even like the lasers at the end that was so sick it was really good um and and made yeah. me wonder if um, Demogorgons were inspired by Jigsaw. But I don't know, when did the first Stranger Things come out? 2016. Okay, so that came first. I guess maybe this was inspired by Demogorgons. Um, I will say too, you know, even when it does come to limbs cutting cut off, I really liked how they handled how this guy wasn't obeying the rules. I can't remember his name, but he falls through the wooden floor and gets his leg caught up in wires. And he has to basically sit there and even though he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, he has to accept the fate that he is going to lose his leg. Yeah, whether he does it to himself or not. Yeah, but like he's got himself in this situation by being arrogant and bullying his way through what he thinks he can just bully his way through. And he's in he's stuck in that trap doing nothing for so long. And that like that in itself is torture of just like, I'm losing hope that I'm going to be able to get out of this at all. (laughs) It's a very good, this is the rules saw. Yeah. And then the reveal at the end that the main trap that we've been following actually was one of John Kramer's first, Mm -hmm. but that Logan has been replicating it with different people, but that what we, the audience have been seeing is like Jigsaw's original trap and the people from the original trap is a really good reveal. Like, I really yeah. like that. I mean, they're still retconning in, like, there were so many people working with Jigsaw. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, wow, he really had a little entourage there, didn't he? Yeah. Um, But I'm not mad about it. And I thought that, like, the main trap itself almost had, like, a Squid Games quality to it. Yeah. Um, In a way that I really liked. Yeah. 
No, it was great. And I mean, I feel like this was kind of proof and at least it helped me realize how badly the Hoffman Tuck stories needed to end in favor of something new and fresh in the series. Like I feel like the series needed a new take and a new lens of which to tell a Saw story while still taking the best elements of what makes Saw Saw. But maybe it also just needed to take a knee for a second because this is coming out (laughs) seven years later. And and it seems like they did. They wanted to bring in like the Spirit Brothers and and whatnot. Um, I mean, I'm really not with you about the cop storyline. I didn't love it. Um, And I really think I'd be bored by it on a second go round. But I will agree with you that it was nice that it wasn't all cops, like that we had a coroner in there. But I I still thought it was pretty like boring and soap opera-ish. Yeah, like I I didn't give a shit about the cop characters, but the what I'm calling like the cop B story like is the is a one of the better ones. Yeah. And Saw remains like to be pretty a cab. So (laughs) yeah, they don't like cops. Um, but I like this a lot and I think I would throw it on, on its own. Yeah. This is one of the higher rated ones for me in the series and one that I would watch more often than some others. So kind of at this point, it's saw, saw three and jigsaw that are the ones I kind of like the most. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought, I thought the twist was great. I like how it fucked with time. And our sense of what time was in the story worked for me. How did it make you feel? Just freaking psyched that this ripped as hard as it did. How make you feel? Along for the crisper ride. <laughs> I, I'm I'm into making the style shift and change. I don't think we need to always be in the original saw. We have the original saw for that. Mm. Okay. Um from yeah. one of the best to the absolute worst. <sighs> Not going to bury the lead here. Yeah. Um, Spiral from the Book of Saw from 2021. Boozman's back. Darren Lynn Boozman directed. Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger wrote. So they wrote Jigsaw, which is another surprise of why this is the way it is. It stars Chris Rock as Detective Zeke Banks, Samuel L. Jackson as Marcus Banks, Max Min- Mignella as Detective William Schenk, and Marisol Nichols as Captain Angie Garza. Synopsis, a criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral. The terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw. Disagree, but you go off synopsis. Um, what do you think of this? I thought this was absolute dog shit and the worst of the series. Yeah. And one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I would say to keep it on brand, a spiral of dog shit. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Um, I'm not against the idea of like kind of branching the anthology pers- prospects of Saw. But this just isn't done well. We talk a lot about and we have talked a lot about like balancing the traps with like the human plots which are often cop plots which I'm just not all that interested in and this unbalances it in favor of the cop storyline the cop stuff is the most prominent it's been in any movie and that's a big want want for me 
you said it really well while we were watching it, or maybe it was when it finished, but this felt like a cop movie that had been shopped around a bunch of studios. And then somebody was like, what if we just set it in the Saw universe? And then that's what they did. And that's what it seemed like because the, the second film, like Boozman's Boozman's first one that he did actually was a different movie and he had written it and it was, it just had similarities to Saw and they were like, okay, well what if we took this and made it a Saw movie? And that works for me. But my thought was like, what if that happened, but with a cop movie that's like trying to be kind of like seven where it's more about the cops and there's these moments of traps, which is what this is more like. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. The case is, and I know you know part of the story already, but there's part of it you don't know, Mm. that they had Saw 10 in mind. The story for Saw 10 was what was going to be next. Mm. And that actually makes a lot of sense coming off the heels of Jigsaw where like we kind of go back to before the first saw mm-hmm. like we go to jigsaw's early early traps which is what saw 10 is doing it's going back in time chronologically that was their plan but then chris rock ran into some Lionsgate big deal at a wedding and was like i want to make a saw movie and so they shifted everything around and said instead of doing like this idea to f- go back in time and focus on john kramer we'll make this movie that chris rock wants to make And I think they just kind of kept everybody on board who was going to be on board. But Chris Rock, I think, kind of really ran the show here. Like it was his idea. He wanted to make a horror movie and specifically a Saw movie, but he wanted to add comedy into it. He had a hand in the writing process and kind of the like overall story. And he's an executive producer. He's an executive producer on it. And like, I'm sorry, I don't dislike Chris Rock, but this movie sucks. Yeah. This movie really like it's just a bad movie. And I like a bad horror movie, but this is not even worth my time yeah it has no ties to the older movies um save for saying the names jigsaw and john kramer zeke banks is an absolute shit protagonist yeah like and not in the way hoffman is like i couldn't tell if they wanted us to like this guy or not because on the one hand he's playing this kind of like good cop who whistle blows on the bad cops but he's also just a shit guy like he's a total misogynist some of the dialogue is like extremely offensive They're throwing the N-word in everywhere they can, which, like, if Jordan Peele made the movie, sure, but, like, a bunch of white guys made this movie. Like, at one point, we were like, this sounds like black dialogue written by white people, and we had to go and look at who wrote this. And sure enough. (laughs) A bunch of white guys. And I know know Chris Rock had a hand in all of it. But it it still doesn't feel that way. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that when Chris Rock actually speaks it doesn't sound just stiff and stilted and like it's not coming from him our friend elliot uh said it best in their review of this movie which is that it feels like an snl skit about a saw movie yeah but it's not funny it would be (laughs) if it was on snl and it was like 10 minutes long instead of an hour and a half honestly it's just it's just so bad. There isn't a main trap. There's just a series of deaths. The twist isn't a twist. No, it was the first time that I was able to predict the twist because we see everybody else who's put into a trap. We see them kidnapped. We see them put into a trap. And then the character of William just all of a sudden we've got his arm. And I'm like, well, we never saw him taken. We never saw him in a trap. Obviously, he's the bad guy. Yeah. And like, I didn't care about him. So none of that was none of that mattered to me. You said this when we were watching it, and I I really agree. It's a real shame that the two 
I mean, I think Spiral, everybody would universally agree, is the worst of the Saw movies. And then for us, Saw 4 is the next worst. That the two Saw franchise movies who have the most prominently featured men of color are the two worst movies in the series. Like, it's such a shame, and it just, like, it just bums me out. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah, it's a good way to put it. It's such a bummer. Like, this movie, Tobin Bell wasn't even interested in being involved. I can't imagine why. I guess what he wanted was a film about the origins of Billy the puppet. And I would be totally into that. (laughs) And in this, they were like, Oh, we want to like branch it in a new direction. They like the quote at the time was that Chris Rock was giving saw a completely fresh perspective. No jigsaw did that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is just bad. Um, and they intentionally wanted to move away from violence and gore and into character tension and fear. But I do not feel like this movie, I feel like it does move away from violence and gore but it does not successfully move into character tension or fear. It was such a frustrating watch. I was not scared. I didn't care about the characters. Um, the stupid pig who replaces Billy the puppet. They never say his name in it, but do you know what his name is? What? Mr. Snuggles. It's just stupid. Yeah. I just hate that. And then like, they have a different voice that just sounds like AI. I want to play a game. I want to play a game. I'm like, it's not scary. This also had a $20 million budget and that's a fucking joke. It doesn't look good. It's just, it's just bad. I'll say one of the most frustrating things in this is that I feel like it had two good traps and it didn't have a lot of traps in this movie. Yeah. Apparently they cut one trap because it was too gnarly. Well, the first trap with like the tongue and stuff like that was decent and pretty gross. It was also fun to make fun of the hat because I really hate when people in movies wear hats with feathers in them, like in <laughs> Bones and All and in Doctor Sleep. I really hate it. I think it's really dumb. But the second trap, which was pretty decent with like the finger pulling, it t- I mean, it took us fucking forever to get to the the setup of that trap and to finally get to it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually kind of cool. Like, what's going to happen here? And then as soon as we get hit with, like, the liver die, make your choice, and the timer starts counting, we cut away and go to some more cop bullshit for, like, another 10 to 15 minutes. I'm like, are you serious? I had to wait so long to finally get to another Jigsaw-esque trap. Nobody is watching the Saw movies for character unless the characters are Gordon, Adam, Amanda, or Jigsaw. Those are the only characters we care about. So don't try and bring in some new characters and make us care about them unless they're connected to those other characters. Like if it was a movie all about Dr. Gordon post Saw 1, we'd probably love it. If it was a movie, a prequel about Jigsaw in the style of like Wicked, we'd probably love it. Or even about Amanda. This stuff is absolute garbage. The only good thing about this movie for me is that I am desperately trying to get Johnny Depp out of my most watched actor stats on Letterboxd, and I am so far away from being able to do that. I've seen 46 stupid Johnny Depp movies, and my next closest is Samuel L. Jackson. I think he was at 27, and he was in this movie. Mm -hmm. So I got one step closer. One step closer to getting Johnny Depp out of my most watched actor of all time. Willem Dafoe, Keanu Reeves, and Samuel L. Jackson are, are getting up there. And then it's like all of the Marvel people. It's like Scarlett Johansson and stuff. But that was the only highlight for me. There was a, they showed a picture of Samuel L. Jackson at one point. And I'm like, is he in this movie? Can this help my stats? And he was. What a waste of his talent. Yeah. Because he's a good actor. 
Yeah, yeah just is- absolute garbage. Honestly, the less said about this one, the better. Yeah. Not worth watching. If we ever rewatch the series, I won't rewatch no, this one. It's dog shit. I will never watch it again. I hate that this is considered Saw 9. It can fuck off with pleasure. And you don't need to rewatch it. it you don't even need to watch it. It has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with any of the other movies. Yeah. Watch the Saw short film and then consider those the 10 movies. Yeah, there you go. Bing, bang, boom. How to make you feel. Disappointed by this dumpster fire of a movie. You? Frustrated as hell. All right. We're here. We've Big arrived. Daddy, this is what we were it's the whole working reason. for. Yeah. This is why we started watching them again. This got us excited. You know, we were little teens who this series meant a lot to at one point in time, who lost our way with it when it took a seven-year break and then weren't really interested in Spiral. And thank goodness, because I think if we had watched it at the time, we probably wouldn't have wanted to see this one. Saw 10. 2023, baby, directed by Kevin Grutert. The Grutert is back and written by Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger, who wrote the last two, but I'm going to forgive them for whatever Spiral was because I'm going to say that they didn't have as much of a hand in it or maybe weren't that excited about it. They're like, we hate that we're being made to make this movie when what we really wanted to make was Saw 10, Mm -hmm. which now we get to. It stars and truly stars Tobin Bell as John Kramer. He is the protagonist. We spend the whole movie with him and it is absolutely wonderful. Shawnee's... Shawnee Smith is back as Amanda. Sanuv Makoti Lund is Cecilia. Stephen Brand as Parker Sears. And Renata Veika as Gabriella. <laughs> the synopsis I have here is for Serial Mom. So just give me, <laughs> just give me a second. Uh, this is what apparently Saw 10 is about. She's the perfect all-American parent, a great cook and homemaker, a devoted recycler, and a woman who will literally kill to keep her children happy. That's actually not what Saw 10 is about. <laughs> I'm sure love. If it was. <laughs> if uh, Jigsaw's actually a homemaker and wife. Yeah. Um, so the synopsis for Saw 10. A sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. It's kind of a, I mean, this is a spoiler episode, so that's okay. I'm really happy I didn't, we never watched a trailer for it, mm-hmm. and I never looked up a synopsis, so... Well, I kind of saw that coming, that this whole thing was a scam. You didn't know for sure. Um, but I guess they're not burying the lead in the marketing for it. Yeah. What did you think of Saw 10? I mean, what a gift that the 10th movie in a series is now my second favorite in the series. Like, what a what a bookend to this whole series. Um, when we left the theater... I, I I labeled this as the Logan of the Saw franchise. <laughs> Objectively, in in cinema, Logan is a better movie, but when you're looking at just the Saw franchise, this is very, very good. Yeah, I really loved this, and I'm glad that we rewatched all the movies leading up to it and that we had kind of the mythology of Saw fresh, fresh in our minds. That we kind of were revisiting our roots of loving Saw back in the day and seeing Saw in the theater, sneaking into the theater when we were teens, and now going on a afternoon matinee and watching it, which was the right choice because I feel like there might be some really bad audiences for this, especially because it takes a while to get into the traps. It's pretty slow moving at first, which we love, especially because it's done well. The story's good. Tobin Bell. Swan song. He's phenomenal in this. Like, I mean, it's not... You're not off in that analogy of like 
Hugh Jackman clearly cares about the character of Logan and having and the legacy of his playing the character of Logan. And you can feel that Tobin Bell feels that too, that like he has created a legacy with this character and he wants to do right by the character and he gives it his fucking all and he's phenomenal. Like he's a good actor and he plays Jigsaw well and there's emotional beats in this that are like really upsetting. Like he plays himself. And I mean, it's, it's interesting to then watch this when we've been kind of, you know, suspect about his, the way the films portray him as an ethical man or a moral man. But he was so good in this that I forgot all of that (laughs) and just believed that he is moral and ethical in how he goes about his traps. (laughs) Well, and just like the setup to this film, like we spend so much time with John Kramer and just how he operates. And he's so frail and vulnerable. Yeah, and emotionally day, and physically. Like, and he's just a man that is seeking and hoping for the best in humanity and is shown the worst of it at every corner in his journey through life. One of my favorite moments in this is early in the film, he sees a person who's going to like an orderly at a hospital who's about to steal a wedding ring and and an expensive watch from a patient that's comatose. And he, as he's watching him, it cuts to like that guy being in a trap and it's a pretty gruesome trap, Mm -hmm. but then it cuts back and the orderly sees him and puts the stuff away. And he just goes up to him and says, good choice. And we understand that it was him imagining what he might do to that guy. But because he put the watch away, because he put the ring back, he won't end up in a trap because he, he has already made the choice. Mm-hmm. He has already made the right choice. He doesn't need to put him in a situation to force him to make a choice. Well, and I think that moment for me, because I also loved it, and a big takeaway for me from that is that Jigsaw and the way that John Kramer views these people is that he tailors his traps to whatever the thing is that the person's downfall or what their what the thing is that they do badly <laughs> i can't really find the words for it i mean not all of them but like the fact that this is a guy who is using his fingers to take stuff away from people and is looking for opportunities to do that john targets his hands and his eyes <laughs> and taking those things away from him and it, it's it's sick and twisted but it's also a really fresh and unique insight into John Kramer's mind that we're getting in the 10th film in the series. And you can just tell that this film is made by people who care about the character of Jigsaw and the legacy of the series. You know, when we were watching these back and I, we didn't see the name Kevin Grutert until which one did he first direct? He first directed um, Saw 6 but then I found out that he was the editor for Saw 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 10. He directed 6 and 3D. Oh, and he was the editor on Jigsaw. So the only film he hasn't been involved in is Spiral so from the ho- franchise. Like, clearly, Homeboy has an understanding and is very precious about the Saw series. He was an executive producer on Spiral, but he didn't have a hand in the in the hands-on filmmaking of it. Mm-hmm. So he either was the editor or the director for every film in the series except for Spiral, which he was an executive producer on. 
that means that Kevin Grutert has truly been involved with the franchise from day one. And that makes me, it makes my heart so happy that like, while his name only really like came to the forefront for people who, you know, I'm trying to be more mindful of knowing names of editors and cinematographers and composers and stuff, because there are more than just directors and writers that go into making a film. But I had only heard his name as director starting in Saw 6, not realizing he'd been involved with it the whole time. And so I love that this person who has been along the ride the whole journey is making Saw 10 and clearly cares about it. Oh, yeah. And clearly saw a a story that hasn't been told yet and that should be told in the Saw saga. It's also interesting to have it be the first one not set in Toronto. Yeah. Um, that's part of what I think makes the traps feel like they're coming from the first film because he doesn't have all of his tools available to him like he would when he's back home. Um, and so it gives it that feeling of the first film while still allowing it to be modern in the way that it's filmed. And, you know, this one truly does have a more somber tone. It takes its time a little bit more. It is the most developed in a, in terms of character that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I cared deeply about it. I cared about yeah. the relationship with him and Amanda. I cared about his journey. I loved it. Yeah. I loved this movie. I thought it was awesome. And it was such a gift to fans of the Saw series. And I think that I I was able to enjoy it even more because of our rewatch journey um, and being able to look for links and ties. I mean, like even there's a mid credit sequence and fucking Hoffman shows up. I was even excited to see him because like. Well, there's even a little nod to him earlier when. He's like, I got to call the detective. Yeah, I got to call the detective and get some help in this. And like, we know who the detective is. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of nudged me at that moment. being like, oh, It's Hoffman. But then seeing him at the end and what I also loved about this movie is I didn't see the twists coming, but there was moments leading up to them where I'm like, well, that's a dumb plot hole. So, for example, I was like, why is, you know, Cecilia, the like head of this operation, why is her trap meant for two people if she's the last person to be in a trap? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. But that it's because he he always meant for it to be for the other guy, too. I just it's so smart. I just love throughout the whole series, any moments of doubt or questioning you have for Jigsaw, like John's thought of everything. John, absolutely like I said has. earlier, John has backups for his backup. And like, there's that whole sequence at the end with like fucking loser Cecilia. What a nasty person. She brings the little kid in that John has bonded with and helped him fix his tricycle. Probably knows all about trikes from Bill and Billy. I've never been more emotional in watching yes. a saw trap. Ever. So he puts this little <laughs> kid on it with John, right? And it's so intense. And he, and I did lean over to you. I try not to talk in movies. Chekhov's, but, don't. Yeah, Chekhov's like, pull. <laughs> really important that the only Spanish word he learned was pull. Um, and that little kid essentially saves John's life. Like John is willing to die to ensure that an innocent person doesn't. Unlike Cecilia, who's like, I'll kill a child. But at the end, after the kid's been saved, and the kid saved his life when he looks at him and says, you were a warrior, my boy. I like felt like crying. <laughs> what the fuck is this Saw do- movie doing making me feel like crying? Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous and so amazing. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about this, I mean, 
Yeah, everything about this just works so well for me. It's my second favorite in the series. Tobin Bell absolutely crushes. Seeing Amanda again was so special. But I think the thing that was just like that hit me to my core and just like made me feel a lot of feelings was hearing the Saw theme, Hello Zep, in the movie theater again. Yeah. Like that was so special having gone to see every Saw movie after the first one in the movie theater and, you know, being prepared for whether it was bad or not, but like, I want to see the new Saw movie. I'll go to the midnight show by myself. I want to have that moment where everything starts coming together and that music cuts in and, and you're just like, I I think that when that happened in this, I had the biggest grin on my face, just like the biggest smile. And, you know, one thing I want to quickly mention is that this movie stays committed to practical effects. Oh, it refuses yeah. to de-age Tobin Bell or Shawnee Smith to fight, despite the fact that they look much older than they did when this is meant to have taken place, which is Didn't care. somewhere either before film one or in between film one and two. I think that's the right choice. Um, the people involved in the film said that they felt like there's too many emotional moments of close-ups and that the de-aging while it might make them look more similar to their characters at the time, it would compromise the emotional core of the film. And I agree with them. And I think it was absolutely the right choice. We can all suspend our disbelief enough to let these actors be real human beings and just be thankful that we're getting the same actors in the film. So I think that that's just amazing. But what I will say is I will watch a million more of these. If they want to make a million more movies that have Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith and even friggin' Costas Hoffman and Dr. Gordon that take place pre-film one or any time throughout films one and three and in between, I will go and see them. We can restart. We can go back chronologically and have all the stuff that happens before those two die. And I will be really happy. Well, and I feel like it'd be so, like, this isn't necessary for it to, when they stop making Saw movies, this isn't necessary to have this happen. But when Tobin Bell is done and is like, this is going to be my last Saw movie, what a treat would it be to bring back Lee Winnell have James Wan come and direct and, and maybe see him like setting it up and, or even like co-direct with Kevin Goodart, um, Grutart, Grutart, Groot, Grutart. He is Groot. <laughs> <laughs> but like, those are three guys whose name has been in the credits of all of these saw movies. How, how like nice of a cap that would be. And like bring back Carrie Elwes, have a man. Bring back, there. um, detective Carrie, like the red haired. Yeah. Lady. Yeah. Yeah. Bring them all back. I, I'm into it. I want to I wanna pretend they didn't die at the end of film three and just go back and watch those movies. I don't need the stuff that came after it. And this this film did that. You know, for a while, I thought we were going to get weren't going to get Billy the Puppet in it. And then he came out and I was so happy. And yeah, even despite not having all his gear, I like to think John Kramer always travels with the Billy <laughs> Puppet. <laughs> it's just his buddy. He's got, he got a ticket for him on the plane. You know, just like talking about this. Fuck it. I think that I think this one's a five. I think this one is on par. Like I gave Saw one a five and I know objectively it's like not a five, but it just makes me feel so many things. And maybe on a rewatch, this won't be a five, but like it just. It got me so excited for the Saw series again. Yeah. And seeing Saw movies in the theater again. And I just can't believe how much. I wanted Tobin Bell back in my life and prominently featured prominently featured and like them being so willing to give that to him and him so willing to take that on 
like taking on the weight of a of a movie like that. Like I'm more impressed by that than I am Killian Murphy taking on Oppenheimer. You know, and I mean, hot take, and I love it. But <laughs> I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. What what makes horror franchises work is the strength of the villain. It's the ghost face. It's the Michael Myers. It's the Freddy. Jason. It's the Freddy. The only exception perhaps is final destination <laughs> where it's, it's big back and Mac daddy death himself. <laughs> he's, he's personified, but he's not actually there. Oh. Um, you know, it's candy man. It's you need that character. And when they started to drift away from jigsaw and this brilliant, performance by Tobin Bell and this mythology that makes sense within the suspended disbelief of the Saw universe for us fans of Saw. That's when the film started falling apart. The less Jigsaw, the less the films worked. And I'm so glad they've realized that they've brought him back. And I hope that if they do continue with the series, that's where they go with it. Tobin Bell is 81. He's not a young man. And I hope that if he's into it, that they do as much what they can that they can with him until he doesn't want to anymore. Um, and if this is the last Saw movie that we get, it's a great, last what a great movie. note to end on. Absolutely. How did Saw 10 make you feel? Just so stoked on how the Saw series is now bookended with the best of the bunch. How's it make you feel? It made me feel a lot of gratitude, um, particularly gratitude for us ending the Saw journey for now, at least with such a strong entry. Yeah. Ooh, there's a lot of, We've never done 10 movies ten in one episode. Smackaroonies. But we have done it now. Holy shit. I will say finding dads in the Saw series is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think that there's some things that we need to suspend some disbelief about, at least in terms of my picks of who the dads are. Particularly Rad Dad. I'm like yeah. hard to find one in here, but I'm doing my best. Um, who did you pick as your bad dad? I picked Hoffman. Me too. Um, I think that's kind of a slam dunk. I didn't want to pick any character that's only in one film. I yeah. want to pick somebody that's like prominent throughout the franchise. So for me, Hoffman is an egomaniac who just wants to usurp John rather than carry on his legacy the way Amanda is failing at, but intending to do. Yeah. Um, he rigs the traps. He's a piece of shit. He's just a bad guy. Yeah. Like very similar. Like when given jigsaw's legacy he wields it for his own personal gain as yeah. opposed to continuing a legacy uh and he's just a bad person with no complexity and he's very conniving he's just a prick agreed so hoffman don't be, don't our, be dad. our dad rad dad i'm assuming assuming it's john jigsaw kramer i didn't pick john kramer shit i think i you know i had a lot of if it was just saw 10 yes but I had a lot of really complicated feelings about his relationship with Amanda and how I think saw two and three and some of the subsequent flashbacks further on depict him as like not being in tune with her vulnerability and kind of taking advantage of the power that he has over her. I think saw, saw 10 suggests something different, but it's not the only film in the franchise. So yeah. I didn't pick him. And like, I understand fully that this is a fucked answer. <laughs> and despite how unethical and dangerous his thoughts and actions are. I think that his seeking of kindness and goodness in the world. Kindness and goodness. Well, yeah, that's what he wants of the world. I mean, I think if you take that moment where he says like good choice, like if he saw 10 seems to depict 
that if everyone made the right choices, he wouldn't be a killer anymore. I, I mean, he doesn't think of himself as a killer. He wouldn't be someone who sets traps and plays games anymore. Well, I get the impression throughout the entire series, like thinking about like Saw 6, where he's talking with the insurer or the healthcare guy. Like, I think that he wants humanity to work together and to yeah. show empathy. He wants the world to be better. And kindness to each other. Like he wants, it's very Bill and Ted. He just wants everybody to be excellent to each other. He has a different way of trying to get that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, little less wild, stall- wild stallions, a little more reverse bear trap. Yeah. Um, and like that, I, I so appreciate that that's what he wants now. And, you know, he takes on and wants to mentor people as well. And you're right. The way he mentors Amanda and brings her into the fold not ethical, not healthy, but he wants to work with her and he wants to help her along. And then even like bringing Hoffman in, like I think he wants to help with his understanding. I mean, the Saw 10 goes a long way to establishing that if you win the game, he believes you deserve a second chance, right? And he says that more than once to a character, everybody deserves a second chance, Um, which is a really nice thought. I mean- Okay, something we haven't talked about yet, and I can't believe we haven't, is the films do not, like, often John, you you say John's more of a three-minute man, but many of the traps are 60-second traps, but more than 60 seconds elapse in time watching it, and that really bothers me. Yeah. If it's going to be 60 seconds, then it should be 60 seconds on film, too. And if you couldn't make it look like 60 seconds on film, then that wasn't enough time. Yeah. If you tell me, if you show me a clock and it says 17 seconds left. Then I want 17 seconds left. And then we, then we cut left. away for three minutes and come back <laughs> and there's six seconds left. Yes. It happens a lot. That's the one area I really can't suspend my disbelief in. And I wish that they would be better about that. Saw 10 felt very real time to me though. Three minutes. But I mean, I did see, hear some people complaining about how like two people in Saw 10 do complete their trap. but they just don't have enough time for like the measurement device to like thumbs up that they completed it. And they thought that was unfair, but they spent too much time they spent too up much, front yeah. dicking around. John wants you to show that you value your life from, from the offset. Um, so I get what you're saying. And I do think saw 10 goes a long way. Like when Gabriella succeeds in her trap, he says like to Amanda, get her to a hospital right now. Well, yeah. He brings in like the first aid kit, even when he like, comes across um, Dr. Gordon in the hallway in Saw 7. Yeah, like he would die without John's help. So within his logic, yes, pr- pretty good. Outside of that logic, really fucked. Yeah, I 100% agree. <laughs> and I understand that and I see that. I feel like we probably should have led with mine since I didn't pick Jigsaw. Okay. But it's too late now. Um, I picked Dr. Gordon. Really? Dr. Gordon? I picked Dr. Gordon. I thought that you were going to pick Adam. I mean, I don't think Adam's a rad dad. I've got it. I've got another superlative for him. Okay. Um, oh, <laughs> but Dr. Gordon. So f- I, I'm going to start this by saying like, I feel like rad is hard to come by in the Saw series by 100%. nature in any horror movie by nature. But Gordon seems to, especially in the first film, by the end of the film, like genuinely repent for his shitty behavior, particularly towards his wife and daughter. Like he seems to really regret the way that he's been flippant with them. Um, 
he seems to like develop this bond with Adam that he takes very seriously. He could just kill him and he doesn't. And they like work together to try and like convince the killer that he's killed Adam because he refuses to actually kill him. Um, I will say to, to that, like thinking about it, even though you could see like the acting in the first Saw movie as kind of like cheesy hammy, Dr. Gorn's descent into madness in the latter half of the, that Saw movie, especially when he realizes that his family might be dead and like he can't reach the phone and stuff like, and he just starts losing his mind. It is so disturbing. And you're right. Like you totally see Larry's just loss of cognitive thought. And you know, to, and to what Jake says trying to do, like some people are so ungrateful to be alive. Like he hasn't appreciated his wife. He hasn't appreciated that he's a dad. He hasn't appreciated his job and that he's got patients' lives in his hands. And he genuinely, over the course of the film, I believably understand that he is, conf- is and has confronted those things. And, you know, I think that when we do see him reappear in Saw 3D, he's like holding other people to account, you know, mm-hmm. and when he like does his little like slow clap, you know, he he seems to be holding people who are abusing their gift of life to account in some way now i think the right choice is jigsaw Mm -hmm. but i just i I really struggled with the way jigsaw was depicted in saw three in his relationship with amanda because she's like cutting even though she's sober and he says some shitty things to jill about like addicts or addicts and i don't love that yeah obviously these films are not made by all of the same people and i think saw 10 is doing some work to try and like challenge that um so I'll give that to you, but I do think I've made a good case for Dr. Gordon. I No, I totally agree. And this is a very complicated position <laughs> to be in of like, who is the raddest person in the Saw series when it's full of dog shit people or serial killers? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think 10 did a lot of heavy lifting and elevated John Kramer to a new level of outlook and understanding to a, gr- a degree. But I don't know. I just like homeboy Tobin Bell. We got to give him that credit. And he's been much like, I mean, feels better to give somebody this very important award who has been involved with the series and not just two movies. Like I can see, you know, maybe, maybe this won't be the case, but if we covered all of the nightmare on Elm streets, it'd be, no, it's not. (laughs) Freddie will be bad dad, babe. (laughs) But yeah, like I feel like Nancy will be rad. I feel like whoever (laughs) are like main person is will be one of the dads yeah probably because that's that's just it's such an impressive thing and it's so again i kind of go back to how cool it is that we were a part of growing up seeing one of the great on-screen horror characters and we got to watch come to be watch him movie to movie to movie okay i'm i'm sold john jigsaw kramer be be our our dad dad. (laughs) please don't (laughs) Don't. Kill us. We do want to play a game, but not that game. Yeah, maybe just like football in the backyard or like some <laughs> long bowling. Can we play crib? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a do bonus I bet, daddy. I bet he'd be good at Dutch Blitz. He probably would. Well, n- before the cancer really gets to him, yes. Bleak. <laughs> okay, I have a bonus daddy. Let me guess. Adam. Adam. Yeah, I think Lee Winnell's cute. And I think Adam's cute. And I think he's funny. And I really like him. And I'm going to dress up as him for Halloween, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a journey. So, Adam, 
Wheat woot. Okay. This brings us to the final piece. We're just going to talk about what we're going to take away from this. And the first thing I want to start with, and it's okay if you haven't thought about this, what is your order of the Saw movies? I have to do all of them right now? Okay, it's probably Saw 1, Saw 10, Saw 3, Saw 2. Wait, no, I already messed it up. Did I say Jigsaw? You didn't. Okay, so it'd probably be Saw 1, Saw 10, Saw 3, Jigsaw. Saw two, saw six, saw five, saw three D, saw four, spiral. Yeah, mine was <laughs> mine was very similar. It all kind of blends together when they're all called saw this. Yeah, yeah. So I have saw one, saw ten, jigsaw, saw three, two, five, six, seven, four, nine. Yeah, that's like, but that that's. There's only two I actively dislike, and that is mm-hmm. four. four and Spiral. And yeah. I still would w- probably rewatch the beginning and the end of four, or I, I would maybe rewatch four in its entirety. Yeah. And but I, I would begrudgingly do so. I think, I mean, I think that we'll probably rewatch these again in the future, but I think that my learning and takeaway from this is spreading them out a bit more. Yeah. We'd start the process earlier and skip nine. For sure. I'm never watching nine again. Four, I would either watch in like just sections like the autopsy scene and the ending, or I would watch it all, but I would be prepared for the fact that I wasn't going to like it very much. Yeah. So for me, my takeaways are this is a very special series to me growing up, and I'm just also so grateful and happy that we can share it together. Like it's not just something that I loved or something that you loved that we're dragging the other person through. I love that we both love this and that it's near and dear to yeah, our hearts. That we both loved it before we met each other, yeah. but now can share it together. And I think that the fact that I got so frustrated when it hit these lows just really proves how fond of the series overall I am and how much I actually love it. And the fact that I can get so excited about Saw 10 coming out, like a new chapter in this series. And I think that, yeah, I'm just going to rewatch them with you for the rest of our live lives together. And it's going to be great. Yeah, I agree. What I'm going to take away from this is first of all, like a deep gratitude for like my horror roots. Mm. Saw is such a pivotal part of me loving horror and loving it on my own and not just like be cool or be brave or to bond with my dad, but because it's genuinely something I liked on my own. I was finding people I've been telling this story this week of like I would go to the saw movies with this rich white boy who I never hung out with at any other time and who like was not my friend at school but he was the only other person who would go see the saw movies with me (laughs) so we would go sneak in them to into them together and then we would drive around and talk for hours and we did that like once a year and never hung out otherwise but we ran into him a couple years ago at just like a random restaurant Mm -hmm. in the city and we gave each other like the biggest hug because we bonded over Saw movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> we never hung out any other time. There's just something deeply special about it. And I just genuinely really do love this series. And most people think that's silly, but I don't. And I'm grateful that you don't and that we have that together. And Most people are so ungrateful. Most people are so ungrateful <laughs> for the Saw series, but not us. Not, not anymore. anymore. Um, we quote the first movie 
all the time and we always do and we have been for the 14 years that we've been together and probably even before that when we were friends we didn't even mention it but we talked about putting together a stage production of it that's just saw one but just in the room with adam and, and dr. we just lawrence. play adam and dr lawrence which is going to be we're going to dress up as adam and dr lawrence for halloween this year because it feels appropriate they're easy costumes and elliot just dyed his hair blonde so he can be <laughs> dr gordon um yeah i just i just feel grateful i feel grateful that there's people who've been involved with the series from the beginning who care deeply about it, like Tobin Bell, like Kevin Grutert, even like James Wan and Lee Whannell, who continue to be executive producers on it. And that even though it's had bumps along the way, that they seem invested in trying not to do it too dirty or or just keep have it be about money. And I'll keep watching them if they keep making them. But if not, I'll be grateful for what we have because I am not ungrateful for the Saw series. Um yeah that's it i'm just i just honestly this whole it was wild it belted my brain we have been spending a week just singing hello zep through our footsteps through our hands through our humming you did a little jaunty zipper uh rendition of it that we'll post on (laughs) instagram at bad dad dot rad dad We've been saying everything in the jigsaw voice. Everything has been, some people are so ungrateful to have a cat, but not you, not anymore. (laughs) A lot of this or this, make your choice, which is like, we've kind of gone insane. But at the end of it all, I sat in the theater and just smiled so big and felt so happy and my heart skipped so many beats. And I am so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that you feel that too. And that friends of ours feel the same way. And I love this series and I love you and I love horror movies, and I love October, and I just feel grateful. Ditto. All Beautiful. Of the, all of those things. What a journey. So fun. Okay. Then I'll say, for Bad Dad, Rad Dad, we officially consider the Saw series radically wrapped. Thank you so much for listening. We drop new episodes of our regular show every Thursday. Until then... We highly recommend that you follow us and slide into our DMs on Instagram or threads at baddad.raddad. Get a sneak peek at what we've been watching on our individual Letterboxd accounts. We'll have our usernames in the show notes. And we would absolutely love you forever if you'd share us with the rad people in your life and drop us a rating, review, or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. That's going to do it for these two sawheads this week. So until next time. I'm Kylie and my dad's dead. I'm Elliot. My dad's a deadbeat. But remember. Not all dads have to be back. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.